like literally clown shoes squeaking. I've got my makeup on. I've got the like oversized shoes. Like that's how I feel right now. Hong I feel Kong. like an idiot. Like literally Hong Kong. Like kids alive. <laughs> like, everything's fine. Like come on kids, let's like go to the circus. Like oh no, I run the circus. <laughs> I run the circus. Like, Who wants I, a balloon animal? I, <laughs> I make Pana and that's it. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Our The 100 Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And if I were going into the anomaly and I was seeing the thing that, like, I feared the most, like, my super dark answer is, like, everyone I loved, like, not being alive anymore. But my, like, if it was a Bogart answer would definitely be... I have, like, intense trypophobia, so it would be, like, a spider full of, like, holes. Like, it'd be, like, so many scary things wrapped into one. That's that's my answer. And my name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hunter script, except, like, not anymore because I've just been, like... I don't know, it's probably been months since I last posted on there. Anyway, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And basically what my boggart is, Mm -hmm. is I'm going, like, you kind of said it, but I'm going the Molly Weasley route Mm -hmm. in which you see all your friends and family dead. Yeah, that was, like, my super dark answer. And then I was like, this is too dark. Like, here's my, like, haha, here's my phobia answer. Just because even thinking about that made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, it's the truth, though. Yeah. And the worst thing about that one that makes it, like, the scariest is that, like, it's gonna happen. Shut up! Don't talk to me anymore. That's what makes it even more scary. That's why it's the scariest thing. Cool, thanks. That's why Ron is like, I'm scared of spiders. I'm like, I get it because you're 13, but, like, Molly's like, I'm a full-on woman. (laughs) I'm an adult person, and I know what the scariest thing in the world is. Yeah. Uh, Today we have words to say about episode 608 of The 100, The Old Man and the Anomaly. So The Old Man and the Anomaly, I believe, is a reference to The Old Man and the Sea, which is a short novel written by Ernest Hemingway in 1951 in Cuba. It was published in 1952. It was the last major work of fiction by Hemingway that was published during his lifetime. One of his most famous works, it tells the story of Santiago, an aging Cuban fisherman who struggles with a giant marlin. Hey guys, this is me, Robin, um, like two days after we've recorded, and I'm just listening back and editing, and hello, the character's name is Santiago? That's Gabriel's last name! I cannot believe that I didn't put that together in the moment. I feel like I thought it was familiar, but I just didn't put it together, but oh my gosh, so that's for sure now that it's definitely the old man in the sea. If it wasn't already obvious, oh my god. One of his most famous works, it tells the story of Santiago, an aging Cuban fisherman who struggles with a giant marlin far out in the Gulf Stream off the coast of Cuba. Interesting. He just, like, I think I I read a little bit about it, and, like, I feel like The Old Man in the Sea is something that you're, like, supposed to read. Like, it's, like, one of those classics that you're, like, supposed to read in your lifetime. Yeah. I have not, but from what I saw about it, it was, like... The man is a fisherman, but he's not good at catching fish these days, and he just wants to catch that one fish, and the fish is like, frick you, bro. You know, if I could paraphrase the novel. If Ernest Hemingway could hear that summation, I'm sure he'd be thrilled at yeah. where we've gotten with language. <laughs> what is it that John Mulaney says? He says that, like... I, I'm standing on a stage where if the person who designed it could see me, they'd be a little mm. bit bummed. <laughs> like, this is so much nicer than what I'm about to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, Robin, big question this week. Yeah. Tutor boot. I would love to ask you first if you would like to tutor boot it, please. Okay. My initial reaction after watching the episode was boot. Rewatched it, 
really absorbed what was going on. I'm gonna go with a newt, which is I am freaking neutral. It's a newt. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it enough to toot it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I save all of my newts for Riverdale because I feel like, and like booting a Riverdale episode is like, you know, it's just you just missed the life. mark this episode. <laughs> That's okay. You, you have some toots sometimes. It, I mean, that show isn't about good. <laughs> <laughs> that, show, that show isn't about like peak storytelling, you know, yeah. that, it's about camp. It's about just like high. Like ridiculousness. Ridiculousness. Yeah. So it's easy to boot a show like that. So it's easy to boot a show like that and- People aren't going to get upset if you boot an episode like that. I know that this show is more like high storytelling and like it's more complex. It's more complex. Yeah, people are really are more. um, Not that the Riverdale fandom isn't very intense, but like I feel like this fandom is like extra extra intense upon like yeah. The Riverdale fandom knows that they're watching Riverdale. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like we're watching sci-fi, and sci-fi comes with more. I think it comes with more. gravitas yes you know so that being said i would also like to say that whenever we do toot or boot it is always just our opinion and it doesn't this is such a roundabout way of you saying that you're gonna like i'm gonna boot the episode (laughs) um but like obviously that's not to say that anybody who liked it is wrong or anything or that Um, it wasn't well written or that it wasn't well written um obviously miranda kwok has written a like loads of really really fantastic she's such a good writer we're not saying this episode is bad in any way no just when i was watching it it made me feel sad and bad yeah it wasn't um given how we've experienced the rest of the season with the sheer levels of entertainment yeah and just like how fun this season has been you get to an episode like this And I think the same thing happened in 606 where there's just too much going on. Mm -hmm. And so you can't really start to have fun or start to puzzle things out before you're thrown into another storyline. And you're like, okay, I need room to breathe. Yeah. And we don't, we don't have any, so we're not really having fun watching. We're kind of just getting stressed again. So. Which, and it's hard after an episode like last episode to come back from that sort of thing. Yeah. Considering that last episode was literally like, one of the best episodes the show has ever done, and it yeah. was absolutely fantastic. Um, I gotta say, I did expect a little bit more, to be honest. Yes, I agree. Again, not from Miranda, but from the storytelling of the whole show, the overall arc of the season yeah. was definitely... Yeah, it felt weird. It felt like a lot of things were happening, but nothing really happened. Yeah. Um, Except for, like, the last five minutes when a crap ton of stuff happened. Right, it's like... It was an episode to further plots rather than to be entertaining, yeah. which which makes sense. And you need episodes like that sometimes. Um, so obviously, I'm not out here being like, so I'm yeah. not watching the show anymore. Find a new co-host. Yeah, it's just like um, it was so plot heavy that we didn't get as much character. Like the character moments weren't allowed a lot. Yeah, like you know they they weren't a lot a lot of time. You know they didn't get to breathe. It was just here's information, here's information. It was an info dump episode. Mm. Yeah. And then in the end, you didn't really get a lot of info. So I I feel like I was a little bit more harsh immediately after I watched it, like you said, when you were giving it a newt. Because, like, we have, like, a four-person group chat that we go in. (laughs) And everyone was like, how do you feel about the episode? And I said, and I quote, I can't find one thing that I liked about it. Actually, you and I replied simultaneously and both said, boot. Everyone was like, oh, we're like, okay, listen. However, I would like to make a disclaimer, an addendum. Uh huh. Uh, I have found one thing that I like about the episode. 
I have found a number of things I really liked about this episode now. Right. Yeah. Like, a lot of people are expecting me to really like the whole Murphy and Amori thing. I didn't because it would have been happy if they had given them a chance to be happy about it. But they, they were just... It was it was rushed. It was rushed, yeah. um, which was disappointing. Yeah, I think so. when we get there, we can talk about how Amori should have been tied into this plotline a lot sooner. Yeah. But, okay, so you want to... I will boot. I'm going to boot the episode. It's a boot. All this right. might be my first The 100 boot. This season. Um, this season. Yeah. Season 5 had a lot of boots. <laughs> I don't think I ever... Did I boot a season 5 episode? I did. I don't remember. I If you booted one, I probably also booted yeah. it. But, um, yeah. Then, I mean... No, we booted the finale. We tooted the last half of the finale. The first half, we booted oh, the heck yeah, out of. yeah, we did. Because that first half was like, okay. So, yeah. And another thing about when I boot things, too, is that, like, I remember in season 2 of Riverdale, we had the musical episode... <laughs> And the musical yeah. episode was fantastic. Like, it was so good, like, storytelling-wise. But because, like, a major death happened at the end of it, and it was, like, happening in, like, a theater where, like, is, like, where my heart oh, is. Yeah. And, like, it was very relatable to me to have them all be in this school play and the fact that someone got murdered. And, and it's, like, basically, like, this safe space that I had that it made me start freaking out and, like... I think I kind of had a little bit of a panic attack at the end of that episode. Yeah. So, therefore, I booted it, even though the episode was freaking awesome. I think... Looking back Especially on with, like, our rating process and, the, and with the podcast, we try to be more objective, but especially when we're doing something like this where we're like, hey, on, an, on like, a subjective scale, what would you give it? Yeah. Sometimes your emotions play into that. So, mm -hmm. I think that's why we both immediately booted it, because we were like, I did not have a good time watching that. Yeah. And then afterwards, we were like, okay, actually... Mm -hmm. Mm, it might have been better than we thought. Yeah. So. I respect the heck out of your Newt, Thanks. but um, I'm, like, just just on the cusp of Newt and Boot on the Boot side. No, I absolutely understand. I am closer to a Boot than a Toot with that Newt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> None of what we just said made sense. So, let's get into something else. Yeah, just to, to remind everyone, the scale goes from best to worst. Shoot, Toot, Newt, Boot, and Scoot. <laughs> and it was not that, a Scoot. Yeah. It's, it wasn't a scoot. No. And we got that from RuPaul's Drag Race Fashion Photo Review. So the scale is not up to us, but we are cool with embracing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like some thoughts from listeners? I love thoughts from listeners. Cool. So I mostly have thoughts from listeners for our last episode, but I do have some that go into this episode. So we'll okay. start with the stuff from last episode. So I would like to give an official apology to at Ms. Flashley, whose name is Ashley. She DM'd us last week and I fully forgot to put it in the thoughts <gasps> from listeners. And as Ooh, soon as monster, as soon as we finished recording and I went to like look in our DMs, I was like, oh my God. And I sent her an apology immediately. Either way, she knows that her stuff is going to be in this episode. Ashley, so here I'm it sorry. Is. So, uh, this is what she said. New to listening to your The 100 Pod. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh my god. <laughs> and I have a theory that I hope I'm wrong about because I stand Dioza. Same. So, this, I wish we had talked about this last week because it is kind of a little bit answered maybe this week. Okay. Um, I feel like they are doing this buddy cop storyline with Dioza and Octavia to set up a redemption for Octavia. Yeah, for sure. I'm predicting that Dioza will die in some dramatic fashion and entrust Octavia and possibly Xavier will t with taking care of her daughter, especially seeing as Dioza sees herself in Octavia. This will, of course, force Octavia to become less selfish and curb her destructive ways, although she will resist at first. I don't think is uh, dead. But I do think that's correct. Yeah, I I don't think Dioza is dead. 
And um, we'll talk about that when we get to, when we talk about that storyline. Because, like, why else have Octavia take care of Rose in that episode? Unless Octavia right. was going to be put in charge of a child later on. And Ethan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. So, yeah. I mean, obviously we'll talk about this later, but, like, one of the reasons why I think Dioza isn't dead is what Josie says to Xavier slash Gabriel. Oh, by the way, Brittany, what's it like to feel triumph? Oh, yeah. Um, Can we talk about how we're geniuses? No, we're going to get... We're going to get to that when we get to the episode okay. recap and we have our reveals. Okay, we need a moment. Okay, great. Um, but Josie says to him, I bet that Dios is going to go into the anomaly. You'll finally get your answer. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, so... Was that supposed to mean... Does that mean that Dios is going to come out? I mean, Octavia went in there and came out. So she might be So she answer. might have some answers. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, I think... I'm stressed about this plot line. Yeah. Is, like, Dioza gonna go into the anomaly and then is, like, a kid gonna walk out? You know? Like, I can't tell. Yeah. You know? Like, I I, but, I truly thought that's what was going to happen. When we were watching right. it, we actually- I thought Octavia was a kid when oh. she fell out of the, like, anomaly. I was like, oh, that's hope. And then it wasn't hope. Yeah. I just feel like we can't have, like, all this thing about Dioza being pregnant, like, for, like, two full seasons, basically, without there being a kid at some point. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, she's been pregnant for so freaking long that it's like, bro, yeah, give her a kid at some point. Like, she can't. Anyway. So, yeah. Shout out. Thank you for your DM. Um, She actually DM'd me again this week. In last episode, when you were reading the magazine cover, did it describe the memory devices, input devices, memory tested? And I read out everything that was on that magazine and did not pay attention. What is wrong with Why do people listen to this podcast? We are so... Stupid women. I, I was just like, yeah, can't see anything from here. So it, what it says is input devices, A300 memory tested. Okay, but we might have scooted over that because we're used to hearing things about that in re- in reference to computers, like, right. you know, like RAM and stuff. Yeah. Oh, 100% that's what happened. Yeah. So yeah. like we were reading it, we're like, okay, whatever. Not thinking that that could mean like something more biological. Yeah. So what Ashley said was, do you think it's referring to the memory chips? I think yes, yes now that now, you brought it yes. up. And if... It is the memory device that we know, or at least an earlier version of it. Why didn't the people on the Ark know about it? Well, that's a damn good question, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it makes you wonder if that's one of those things that... Okay, I mean, realistically, it's because they're creating this mythology up as they go, right? Yeah. But if you're going to try and fit it into the canon, it would be, well, maybe some things get lost in Ark history. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, so thank you to Ashley for DMing us. Uh, Sorry I messed up last week. No. My bad. Uh, okay, so an anonymous on SoundCloud. Um, I think we just keep talking about why, about like the timeline and why Allegis 3 got to Sanctum faster than Allegis 4 or like than our people. And we just keep we're talking dumb. about yeah. it. So they said Allegis 4 had a broken engine after Dioza blew it up. Thus, it took way longer for them to get to Sanctum than it took for Allegis 3. We keep bringing this up and everyone else keeps bringing it up, but we keep forgetting. Why are we so stupid? And they also said they had Earth skills before that, too. The classes they got before going to Earth were just a crash course, I think, which is why Clark knew Morse code, even though she wasn't in those classes. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, Bellamy's an adult. He was an adult in season one, so he would have graduated from Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, DC Jeffrey on SoundCloud. That's your my mom. mom. I have to wonder if part of why Clark thought Bellamy wouldn't take the deal was because this Bellamy at the end of season five refused to leave anyone behind. He said, and I quote, I am not leaving my friends. I can't do that again. And she hoped that she would have been considered a friend that he wouldn't leave behind. Especially since she just called him family. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that Bellamy's 
this is the part of the season that is a little bit muddy for me. And I mean, isn't that the way every season is Bellamy and Clark's motivations towards each other? Yeah. Which is, you know, are they friends? Are they family? Or do they sacrifice each other for, you know, the greater good? Mm -hmm. And they seem to make that decision every single season. But I mean, of course, this time they're not on opposite sides of a conflict. It's just this made Clark sad. Mm -hmm. But I do think that Clark would understand the choice Bellamy made. Right. I think that it surprised her because she has an emotional attachment to Bellamy and they have a, like a relationship and she, they consider each other family. So yeah, I definitely think that's a possibility for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, going to another Denise at NVGhost005. Can't recall which cast said this, but someone predicted a witch cast. I think she's got witch podcast because she listens to a bunch of them, which is also cool. You're the best, Denise. I can't listen to other podcasts because I don't want them to color my opinions and my theories and stuff, but I respect the heck out of them. Mine is not that I don't want them to color. It's that I don't want it unintentionally because, like, I absorb oh, information like right. Yeah, I don't want to steal their ideas. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't want to say, hey, I've had a great idea, and someone who maybe listens to both going, um, like, and I, that will happen to me. Yeah. I think it's cool when people listen to multiple podcasts, because that means that when, if they listen to us, that means that we offer something different than other people don't, which yeah. makes me feel good. <laughs> and, like, it, it could be that a lot of us are on the same tracks right now, too, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, so... Couldn't recall which podcast said this, but someone predicted Dioza would have her baby and it would be grown right mm -hmm. away. Putting on my Trekkie hat, but I think the anomaly yeah. is like the Nexus and Dioza comes out with a grown baby. Your thoughts? I have so many thoughts. Okay, so Kat, who is Kat M Squared on Twitter, she and I actually were talking in DMs about what the anomaly could be and she brought up the Nexus. The Nexus is like this um, sort of anomaly out of time and, you know, like Kirk was in there and it's like Guinan and all this stuff from like, I think it was Star Trek Generations which is a TNG movie that you can watch. Um, it'll explain a lot of like this season of The 100, I think. But yes, I do think it is possibly a place out of time where y you can hear, like who knows how time works in there. Like if Dioza went in there, maybe time passes normally for her. But when you come out, it's been like five seconds. Right. You know what I mean? So she could have- Like Narnia. Exactly. You She could have had and raised hope up to like age seven in the anomaly and- then just come back out again. And, and would she still be pregnant? No. Okay. She would literally, she and Hope, after like, what, say seven years, I don't know why seven's in my brain, but seven years, they would come back out and it's seven years for them. And it's like, however long it took for Octavia to fall out of the anomaly gotcha. for Gabriel, you know? Right. Like it's no time at all. So yeah, I definitely, this has been like our little Trekkie pet theory for the past couple episodes. And I definitely think you're right. There's something about the Nexus in here for sure. I was just asking because in Narnia, like, it's, like, years upon years upon years and they come out and they look exactly the same. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think it's something like that. Or, you know, we'll know next episode when we see if Octavia had, Octavia, if Octavia has any memories of what happened, like, how right. time, Oh, gotcha. Because it's, like, is she healed because she went in and it has healing powers? How long was she in there for? Or did it age her backwards to a time before that had happened to her? And which version of Octavia are we looking at right now? That's a good question because if you look at the trailer, this is what, like when we saw like the original trailer and now we're getting it in like the next episode trailer, yeah. we see Octavia fighting Octavia. So yes. if I could put my tin hat on that, you know, at do this it. point isn't even a tin hat because this show will do freaking anything at yeah. this point. I wonder if, like Nevermind, but like not so much because we can't have an episode that's just for Clark and then an episode that's just for Octavia as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's kind of a, yeah. Every, like the whole season can't be filled with like, 
standalone bottle episode, episodes, which like I kind of, I kind of wish yeah, we would get a season cool. kind of just like that for each main character. Yeah, but um, I guess Kane's would just be on a gurney. But, <laughs> but if I were to make this up, potentially. Mm-hmm. Octavia went in there, and and I guess she's like telling Xavier slash Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Should we just keep calling? Should we just call him Zabriel? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to call him. I'm definitely thing. gonna call him all three. Okay, just to be confusing. But yeah, just to be clear, everyone knows that when we say Gabriel, Xavier, and Zabriel, we're talking about the same person. If you listen to this podcast, you'll know. Yeah. But so I wonder if she's like recounting this to Xavier. Like, for example, if I can bring up Riverdale again for some reason. Oh, no. Like during the Midnight Club, which was like our probably our favorite episode of the entire season last because season. Because it, it was, was about so the good. Parents. It was all about the parents. <laughs> um, but like Alice was telling Betty all about what happened and we were getting like past. flashbacks yeah. to the past of what was happening. So if she's like recounting this to Xavier and we're getting like the actual thing of what happened mm. and she like goes in and she's going like not necessarily season by season but like point by point through her life back because her hair is very season one Octavia when she yeah. comes out. So I wonder if it's like her, seeing her fighting in the pits is like her going back to that moment and then she's going to go back to when Lincoln dies. She's going to go back to uh, when what happens to her in season two? Oh, she like becomes like grounder Octavia. Yeah. Um, gonna go back to season one and everything. Like, I wonder if it's gonna, like, go back and back and back. It's possible. Like, through her life. I think that she'll, like, interact- like never mind. Yeah, I think she'll Octavia. interact with it more. Right. Like, I definitely think Octavia's gonna be going through a journey to time past. It's interesting because I remember last season talking about, it's like, I don't know how they are going to, how they're going to bring Octavia back from this. How they're going to redeem Octavia. And, like, if she's going into her own past and we see her fighting with, like, Blood Raina. Blood Raina. So it's like, if she has suddenly realized that Blood Raina is not the person who she thought she was, Mm -hmm. and she starts fighting with Blood Raina, like, I could see maybe forgiving Octavia if she, like, genuinely has a revelation about like who she was as blood reina and if she actually feels genuine regret on what of what what she did yeah because like i think so far the only thing that i worry about with that is that octavia will other her actions in order to Mm. say oh well that wasn't me it's like yeah that was you that that happens to her over and over and she's octavia then she's octavia come sky crew yeah then she's Sky Ripa, then she's Blood Raina, then she's, now she's back to, like, who, you know? Yeah. You can't keep giving yourself, not necessarily, she didn't necessarily give But the show is doing it to her. Yeah, they can't keep giving her new names, saying that this is a new person when it's not. Exactly. You know, she needs to go back, and I think that the, what that's what this is gonna be, is yeah. that she needs to go back and grapple with what she's done, not, like you said, othering yeah. herself from it. But, like, I also think that's sort of the one thing that they're doing correctly with the Abby storyline, because I have a lot of thoughts on this one. Mm-hmm. But I do like that she is literally owning every single one of her actions and saying, yeah, I messed up. And the only way I can redeem myself is by bringing someone back that I hurt. Right. Whereas Octavia is very much, I messed up and I'm not sorry about it. Right. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, at Lisa Powell 92, uh, this is about us thinking that all of the cogs are nulls. Mm-hmm. I think some of Gabriel's soldiers are actual defectors. There were COG sympathizers in Sanctum, so it makes some makes sense some of them would have just left. So oblation could still be a fairly new thing. Okay, fair. And I definitely think that's true, yeah. considering him talking about how Xavier was born and he had the blood. Okay. Because if, if all of the cogs were nulls, that would be impossible. Yeah. 
So somebody who right. has that gene has to have been part of the cogs. Yeah. Uh, also, Lisa, I wondered if Jasper's goggles were in that box because it looked like the box she broke into in Ar- in Arcadia in 501 that had his goggles in it. But that doesn't explain why Jake's video would be in there too. Yeah, I mean, they kind of showed us the flashback. So it was like they made sure that we knew it was the same box, mm-hmm. but then didn't really explain why other stuff was in the box. Right. And it was literally like three things. Like it that's was why it was odd. It was kind of confusing. It was very odd. Yeah. Probably, the, probably my least favorite part of that episode was like that box being like, why is this the thing? For yeah. You? Like, I, uh, I don't, not sure I understand I, that. I think there, there's probably a longer explanation for it yeah. that got cut for time. Right. Yeah. At 2199 days underscore, which makes sense because of this show. Um, talking about the Fibonacci spiral mm-hmm. and the uh, voicemail that Isra left us last episode. Um, it's infinite, and the logarithmic spiral has a Latin quote associated with it that literally means, although changed, I arise the same. Sounds a lot like the primes to me. Oh my god. Ooh. Okay. Ouch. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also thank you, because it wasn't, I did want to know if it was infinite. Dang. Oh, yeah. That, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Both of us are nodding like, okay, yeah. we're not smart enough to figure this out, but you guys are. <laughs> At Kylie in the Sky, the Chinese characters in Clark's cellar because of the part of the arc that included the skybox was the Chinese portion of the arc. So we can't remember, we can't remember if we talked about this in the last podcast or not, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's like a big old, we're dumb, dumb moment. And at exolovelyoni underscore ss also wrote in the Chinese characters in Clark's cell could just be from the skybox being located in the former Chinese space station before the unification. We never got an exact location of the skybox, so it's it's possible that that's just how her cell looked like. Yeah, that makes sense. Somebody's got to go back to 101 and like see if we get that angle because yeah. like what a freaking coincidence if that was in in 101 or if they added yeah. it just to like make it some nuance. That would be cool. Does anybody who's listening understand Chinese characters? Because I would love to know what that says. Yeah. It probably says, like, cell or, like, skybox or something like that. If or it was there from uh, 101. Numbers. Could just be numbers. Um, I'd like to know, that. Yeah. Continuing on with XO Levlioni underscore SS. I don't think anything special would happen to the moon if it got a nightblood as an offering. We've seen them offer Rose's dead body to the trees. The offering grove just seems to be their general burial site, except for with the prime bodies. Oh man, that's such a good point. Yeah, we totally forgot about that. Whoops. Oh, I, but that's such a missed sci-fi opportunity to be like, ooh, what happens when the trees get something special? Yeah. It's like nothing, idiot. (laughs) Nothing. Okay. Uh, Okay, so now we're in on the stuff that is new uh, for this episode. Okay. Continuing on with XO Leone underscore SS. Okay, so uh, Josie's line made me think, and we'll talk about this as well. Uh, you'll only get old if you want to. Does this explain the high body count? Did they have enough hosts back in the day and just choose to get a new body that's young? And then our friend yeah. Isra at Isra Glass also commented and said, has anyone seen a single elderly person in Sanctum? Yup, I bet you. I bet you it's two things. There's one, the Prime's definitely, like, I think we saw Josie and Kaylee were probably... And Russell were probably the oldest that they would be. Yeah. But it also makes me wonder if they probably execute people when you get to a certain age. Right. Like, you know? well, they would brainwash them to be like, once you get to this age, then it's like, to the offering grove you go. Yeah, like, you're a drain on resources. Yeah. Because, like, the older you get, like, you need accommodations, and this society clearly does not want to accommodate anyone. Yeah. And it's also like, if everybody has nightblood, then it's like, if you get too old, you're like, cool, guess I'll die and get a new one. Oh, that's ugh, that's so gross. It is gross. Uh, at Space Crew Defense, so many people are giving up on... Actually, I want to talk about this 
when we get to this part. Okay. Because this is, like, pretty big, and I want, I think it, it needs space in the actual part of okay. the episode when we get there. Right. Thank you, at Space Crew Defense. We will definitely be talking about this later in the podcast. Yes, we will. I appreciate this a lot. Okay. So. Okay, so we are getting started with, um, well, we have three. We have uh, Up in Space, Octavia and Dioza, and the Anomaly, and then we have the stuff that happens in Sanctum. Um, originally we were going to do Octavia and Dioza first, but it seems like the space storyline is the actual smallest. So yeah, I think it's we're going to do that first. Okay, so up in space, Gavin is a sacrificial lamb for Cain. Rave is not feeling this whole thing, so she confronts Abby. Simone sees them fight and brings Gavin in to plead for his own case. Gabby? Gabby. There's the, there's our ship name. Mm. Abby can't look at oh, Gavin. Oh, Gabby! Yeah. No! Yeah, I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. No, 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 no. Because if... Because that's not Gavin anymore. It's Kane, right? Because if, if Josie and Murphy... Literally, you said that, and I felt sick to my stomach. I'm so sorry. But, like, <laughs> but like if if we were shipping Gabby, like, because it was Gavin I and... I a joke. Shut up. If it was Gavin and Abby, then that means we'd be shipping Clark and Murphy, and not Josie having a crush on Murphy. All right, fair enough. It'd be Clark, right. and that's just not true. <laughs> so Abby can't look in Gavin, and Simone knocks him out. Like, she full-on killed him. That was the mind wipe, hey? Okay, so, but the mind wipe doesn't actually kill you. It puts right. your body into, like, a vegetative state, doesn't it? It, like, I kills know, it all higher to, brain it, function? It has to have, because she can't have just killed him, because then it would be like, well, whoops, now this body is useless. But she did say to Raven, it was quick. Yeah, he felt no pain. So, um, but I remember in the tapes, they definitely, like... They're like, you have to take uh, brain function down pretty low. Yeah. In order to wipe it. But yeah, um, I'm actually with Raven in this part of the episode. Like, we have some Raven issues later on yeah. for sure. But it definitely in this scene, I mean, I think it's no secret that Abby is my favorite character. You know, her complexity, I understand, makes people hate her, whatever. But um, that Abby just doing this to me feels wrong, hmm. you know? And I understand that that's supposed to be a complication and it's supposed to be like, oh, well, you know, there's some moral complexity here, but I'm like, at some point you're writing your characters to be irredeemable for the audience. And I think that they're taking Abby dangerously close to that area mm. here. But yeah, I'm with Raven here. She like, she, if Abby's going to do this, she should be able to look at Gavin in the eye. Yeah. Especially if that's like the body that she's <laughs> literally going to be with. I love I how know. Gavin called her ma'am. Yo, that's like, ma'am, it's okay. I was like, ma'am, I was like, okay, y'all couldn't find, like, an older Nightblood? Like, this guy is, yeah. like, 20. <laughs> he is not 20. Okay, he, th- he's, like, tw- he's, he's, like, 26. All right. Like, okay. Like, he's older than me. Listen, I'm fine. I love a good cougar. Like, the fact that Abby Let's Griffin- Let's find out. Abby Griffin is a literal MILF now, and I'm fine with that. What's the heck, well, guys? She's name? always been a MILF. Grayston? Grayston Holt. But, like- just, they didn't want to cast, like, an older actor? I was very puzzled by this. <laughs> He's older than you! Wait, shut up, really? He was born in 1985. He's, like, 34. Like, I'm torn between, like, oh my god, like, they couldn't cast an older actor, and he oh man, born, he was born Abby. In, he was born in Calgary! He's our Alberta boy! Oh my god. Respect. Okay, that's really cute. He's another Alberta boy. He and Jared are Calgary boys. I have a lot of complicated emotions around this right now. <laughs> Like, I'm very much, like, of two minds where I'm like, get it, girl, and also, ah! <laughs> and that's how I feel about this whole plotline. So, how did Gavin get chosen out of all of Sanctum? I don't know! Like, if if I was Simone, like, to make it <laughs> grosser, to make it even grosser- I like, don't want to hear this. Not necessarily grosser in the way of it being, like, inappropriate or anything, but just to make it a little more, even more dark. Like, Simone, if she was like, Abby, I heard you need a new boyfriend. You can pick. Yeah. Whichever person you want. Actually, the Nulls- 
any of them would love to do it. Who would you, who do you want? Yeah, it kind of, that would have made it darker, but it seems like someone, like he was picked or, or like he volunteered or something. Yeah. Um, but it's clear like his family or like his wife at least is like, chill. Bye. Yeah. And I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Like he loved someone. That's going to be really sad for her. Yeah. Like she seems to be like, yeah, glory and grace of the primes. But like how freaking sucky is it to be like, that was my boyfriend slash husband or whatever. And now he's macking up on this random girl. Exactly. And like, even to top it off, like, I feel like it's pretty obvious that that body is not going to be around for long unless this is permanently Kane. And in that case, we need to have a talk with like the whole concept of this because it's gross. Yeah. But like, I wish you guys could see my face. Cause I'm just, it, it's speechless right now. Like <laughs> the sci-fi part of me loves like the oddness and the weirdness, but mm-hmm. the part of me that like, is just a person is like, um, yeah. what? Yeah. So, well, yeah. Cause when you're like a prime mm-hmm. and you're like Russell and Simone, you're used to this, you know, it's like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. It's not my problem. But, like, this is, like, a brand new thing. And Kane has no idea what he's doing. No. I'm so scared. Like, Murphy and Amori are gonna, like... They've only teared. If they were to do this, which I have a feeling they won't. Oh, of course not. (laughs) But if they were, they'd both wake up and they'd be like, what? Or, I mean... Oh, they'd both be such idiots about it, too. They'd be like, ah, this is new. Like, they'd be such idiots about it. Well, like, I was about to be like... You never know, like, they won't have enough hosts, and then, like, he'll be there for a while, and then he'll die, and then she'll be there for a while, and they're never gonna, like, but they're supposed to have, like, a bajillion hosts because they can make night blood now. Exactly. Okay, so he's a null, so he's a guard, I assume? Yeah, he was wearing guards robes. Yeah, so he's a guard. He has a wife who I assume is also a null. Yeah. Do you have anything else about this scene? They said love and light right in front of Paige. They really did. Hashtag love and light is like Paige Turco's thing if you She's didn't know that. Like that's like her favorite thing to say. So. And then obviously do no harm is the doctor's oath. This, this, that was, that line actually like hit me in the like in the gut because mm-hmm. like it's just it's Abby. Like can you imagine season one Abby doing this? No. But I don't know. Anyway we'll get there. Next scene. Raven sits in Shaw's room and thinks about him. Abby arrives and tries to explain why she's doing this. She needs Raven to take a spacewalk to combine Becca's serum in 4G. Raven- is it 4G? Zero G. Cool. Just start the whole thing over. Yeah. Raven sits in Shaw's room and thinks about him. Abby arrives and tries to explain why she's doing this. She needs Raven to take a spacewalk to combine Becca's serum in zero G. Raven asks if this is what Kane would want. Abby says probably not, and he might hate her for what she's doing, but at least he'll be alive to hate her. She isn't doing this for herself. Raven refuses, so Abby is going to take the spacewalk alone. Why are you laughing? She, so she can combine Becca's serum in LTE. Stop! <laughs> anyway. Okay. So Raven cries over Shaw. Wouldn't kill someone to bring back someone she loved. Like, yes, you would. Though. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. Can you, yeah. Can you like, here's I would love thing. if you could like read that paragraph from Sam's review. Yeah. Here's the freaking thing. Cause she, she hits it on the head. So yeah. our friend Sam, who's at Sam KCC on Twitter, um, and also Brittany's life partner. <laughs> That was that was a way to phrase that for sure. Um, she writes reviews on Telltale TV, and they're always fantastic. And she freaking like totally got Raven this episode. Yeah, uh, it, she wrote sort of why the stuff that's Raven Raven's doing does not ring true. And um, like this is not the Raven I signed up for. Exactly. I want I want, I want to live Raven back. Like yeah. this is like girl, put your hair up in a ponytail and be yourself. Like, I don't know what is going on with this Raven other than she's definitely on a high horse. And I'm like, 
What are you, season one Abby? <laughs> okay, so Sam wrote, this response of Ravens is, well, essentially very unraven. I understand that her role this season so far has been to remind everyone that the things they've had to do to survive have had way too high a cost when it comes to innocent lives, as well as their own humanity. But it's almost as if Raven was body snatched when she went to space. This person upon a shining moral high horse is not the Raven Reyes that I recognize from seasons one to four of the hundred. The Raven Reyes I know asked Clark to murder the grounder commander and start a war to save the man she loved. That Raven helped shut down Mount Weather's generators to save her people. That Raven convinced and supported Monty through killing his own mother in the City of Light. And then that Raven left Clark behind in Prime Fire to save the rest of Space Crew. I am not saying that any of Raven's past choices are right or wrong, but I am saying that if she remembers any of that at all, then she should at the very least be able to offer Abby Griffin a modicum of sympathy. Raven could still tackle this plotline from a perspective that finds what the Primes do immoral, while also understanding why Abby is in the position that she's in and why she so desperately wants to save the man she loves. Mm -hmm. that's like that's that's it that's the whole thing i don't even need to say anything else about it yeah like it's just, she's incredibly out of character and it's hard to say out of character because this is the character yeah like we were given this character yes. this is canon so it is in character because yeah. that is what she did yeah it just doesn't feel quite right it doesn't gel anymore. like yeah. it doesn't it's not in line with how raven's been and i think they wrote this because they wanted raven to be like a beacon of morality and it's like that's fine you know that's fine because your beacon of morality is usually it's going to be Kane or it's going to be Abby you know they're the people who are usually you know up on their high horses up on their pedestals saying hey we can't do things like that and despite the fact that it may get irritating at the same time they're not wrong so like Raven is not wrong in this scene the things that Abby's doing are monstrous but Raven much like we find with the fandom isn't taking into account what it feels like to be that desperate or what it feels like to hate yourself so much because you're responsible for the death of someone that you love. And she keeps saying that she's never done something like that, but like, you know, Lisa brought it up a couple yeah. episodes ago, like the whole thing with Lincoln and like that whole list that Sam gave us, yeah. like, like she has done terrible things. And if I remember correctly, she has felt terrible about them. So it's like, it's I mean, confusing. She's, she's never made a Clark level decision. Yeah. Right. That's she's true. never made a Bellamy level decision. She's, she's never she's made an helped. Abby level decision. She's or helped Kane with those types or of Octavia. decisions. Yeah. She's always been, I'm not going to say sidekick because I don't think of her as a sidekick, but she's always been adjacent to those decisions. And, you know, especially in season five, when she was talking about allocation of resources and medications, right. And she and Abby were arguing over that. Like they've had Raven and Abby at, at conflict more than they have at peace with one another. And I, a lot of it serves most of the time is to have Raven tell Abby that she's stupid. That's a really good point because in the next scene when Raven like basically tells Abby that she sees her as a mother. Yeah. You, you saying that like her and Abby are always at odds. Like the only time they yeah. weren't at odds were like the beginning of season one mm -hmm. and they only hung out for like a week and then Raven left. So yeah. it's like in what world does Raven see Abby as a mom? Because it seems like she's always mad at her. Exactly. Like she spends all of her time judging Abby and it's like, you know, does Abby deserve to be judged? Yeah. Absolutely she does. She's made some really questionable, some really bad decisions. So was everyone, you know? If this were Clark, Clark would be making the same decision to save Maddie. Abby would make the same decision to save Clark. Like this is this is just how it is, you know? But the relationship with Raven just rings very hollow. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels judgmental. It feels it feels like it's forced. Like they couldn't figure out what to do with Raven, so they were like, "Well, let's have Raven kind of act as the moral compass but not for anyone but abby and at the end of the day and also Riker for some reason yeah and it's like let's not have raven 
empathize or sympathize, sympathize with anyone. When Raven of anyone would understand all of these things. Yeah. I, just, more, I don't get I have it. more Riker thoughts later. Yeah. So, I mean, what Abby's doing here, you know, the cabbie shipper in me is like, well, of course she's going to do this. You know, that's the one person that, like, she has had since all of this started, right? Like, it's always been Kane. But I also understand that what she's doing is just completely horrific. But I understand that in Raven doesn't, when Raven lives in that universe, I don't understand the writing choice there. I don't get it. I don't know why they did this, but I do, I guess I like what happens later. So, yeah. I don't know. Next scene. Abby prepares for her spacewalk. Raven tells her to take the suit off. She's going for the spacewalk herself. Kane is dead because of Abby, and letting Abby die wouldn't help anyone. Raven couldn't save her mother, but she can save Abby. Okay. So, um, the main thing I actually took out of this scene was, before Raven even comes into it, um, Nyla is helping Abby, and she's holding on to the serum, and yep. Abby says, I can't, uh, be careful, I can't make, can't another, make another batch. batch. I, I wrote that down as well. Why? What does that mean? Why not? I don't know. But that's important. It, yeah, it has to be. Because she hands, at the end of this plotline, she hands that batch to Simone. So it's out of Abby's hands now. Whatever happens to that batch, it's up to the prime. Right. But why can't she make another? Yeah. That feels if, important. If I could, like, my brain narratively goes, Raven's gonna steal it and smash it, and then it's just gonna be back to to one, and the only person who was able to become a Nightblood was Gavin, and then- and and well, then Kane, because Kane's technically a Nightblood now. Right. I mean, is a, but his body isn't dead, right? I'm pretty or sure his is, body is dead, so but it's a nightblood body. So we can't have Ian back. I have thoughts on this. Okay, okay. But okay, so narratively my brain says Raven's gonna find it. Raven, Raven's gonna find it. Raven's gonna smash it because um, Raven is self-righteous. Hmm. Sorry. That is actually a great description for this season. And but, I understand that it's her in mourning, just by the way. Right. Yeah. Um. But also then that gives us like- Murphy and Amori cannot become Nightbloods, so it's not even, like, up to them. So that's definitely laying the groundwork for, at some point, there is going to hit a saturation point where no one else can become Nightbloods, and so those that already are are going to be hunted. Um, so I like that Raven does pull that this conversation full circle hmm. and say, you know what, you know, I couldn't save my mom, but I can save you. Because Abby said at the beginning of the season, like, I'm not your, I'm not your mother. Yeah. And now Raven's sitting here going... Well, even though you said that, I actually do think of you as my mother. That, I like that. I wish that it, it felt impactful when she said it. Like, I was like, oh God, my heart. But I wish we had more to it. Yeah. You know, I wish we had more of their relationship. It would mean more if Raven wasn't so freaking mad still. And I understand, I just want to clarify, I completely understand why Raven's bad. Mm -hmm. Like, objectively, from the world that we live in now, Raven being angry makes perfect sense. You know, Raven grieves by being angry. And I get that. I've absolutely given Raven the benefit of the doubt. I understand why Raven's feeling the way she is. Our issue is why is Raven being written by this when there should be more to it? Right. I'm not I'm not saying that I I don't like Raven because she's angry. I'm just having a hard time with Raven because of the things that she's saying. Yeah, I don't understand. The things that yeah. she's saying are false. Exactly. So you that's know, why it's like, what the heck? Even when Raven says Kane's dead because of you. Yeah. Abby feels that way because of her addiction. But in reality, Kane is quote unquote dead because a crazy cannibal got super jealous and decided to bite his neck out. Yeah. Like that's, let, let's be clear. 
that's why Kane's actually dead. And of course, there's always the implications behind it, which mm-hmm. is they were in prison, but also they were in prison because they needed a doctor and they needed a doctor to keep Kane alive. So like Abby did a lot of those things to keep Kane alive. And then he died. There's, there's just so much going on here. But of course, Raven just holds Abby responsible for it. I think yeah. maybe because Abby holds Abby responsible for it. Right. But even factually, I was like, I guess. Yeah. So yeah mm-hmm. i don't know i am glad that they've decided to wrap this part of it up and i'm hoping that we might get a raven and abby heart to heart i would really like to i want to get inside raven's head for a little bit yeah because we have very much been on the outside looking in for raven's whole plot line right so since last episode was a um clark episode and next episode is an octavia episode that means Give that us a raven we, should, one. we should get a raven episode yeah but i mean tell me what's raven's plot line been in the last two seasons I'm mad. I oh, in the last two seasons, mm-hmm. not just this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm mad. Yeah, and um, also I'm gonna kiss this boy. Literally, and then the boy's gonna die, and I'm gonna be even more mad. Raven, not is- to simplify her problems. No, I understand, but that, but- no, but that is the dumbing down of it. Is Raven is a complex character. Like, season one, season two, Raven, even season three, Raven, even season four, Raven. Yeah. She Yeah, Raven really more rejoined the plot in season four than she did in season three. But Raven has not been relevant to the plot in a while. Yeah. Like, it's like they keep her separate for some weird reason. And then they just use, they just use her. Yeah. It's like when someone needs someone smart, they're like, oh, well, we're, we'll put Raven in here. Mm-hmm. And like, even what? when they, and when they can't have Raven, now they have Amori. Yeah. And I love Amori just as much as the next person, but it's like, why is Amori replacing Raven, who's supposed to be like... I mean, to be perfectly frank, like, Lindsay is a main, like, cast. And she has not felt like that in a long time. Yeah, and um, honestly, like, Louisa isn't, and that's just the truth. Yeah. So. And I mean, that doesn't mean that, like, we think either one deserves more than the other. Oh my gosh. It's just confusing as viewers to be like, why is Amori so much more relevant to the plot? Is it because she's dating Murphy? No, it's because she has skills that Raven taught her. Yeah. But that are now being utilized here. And Raven's aren't? Raven has had nothing to do with anything except go on field trip to learn how to build a new sanctum. Mm -hmm. Be self-righteous around Abby. Be self-righteous around Riker. Fly a spaceship. Yeah. I want more for Raven, you know? Mm -hmm. I want more for Raven. I want to know what is going on in Raven's head. Mm Mm-hmm. Raven was the love interest and then her partner was killed and then she was a love interest and her partner disappeared and then she was a love interest and her partner was killed. Mm -hmm. That's been her whole show. Yeah. It's just, it's weird. Mm -hmm. Okay, final scene. Abby gives Simone the night blood. She leaves Abby and Kane too alone. Kane wakes up in his new body and sees Abby. He hugs her. Something isn't right though. He sees his old body dead on the other gurney and kind of freaks out. I know you probably hate it. You probably have more thoughts on this. The only thing that I really pulled out of this scene, like, of like super big interest to me was just that the fact that Kane only recognizes himself. I mean, he doesn't see his face, but like he only recognizes him, himself via his scars. Yeah. Is really interesting. That's really cool. Like he sees his scars on the other body and he doesn't even worry about like, is this my face? Like he looks down at his arm yeah. to see if he has the it's same Like, scar. where is it? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I feel like his original thought was like looking over and being like, why does that person have the same scars as me? And then looking down to see that he doesn't have one. And he's like, I am confused. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, I have a lot of complicated thoughts around this. I think, I mean, for those of you who don't know, the reason that this plot line happened is because Henry and Cusick got cast on another show. Yeah. And he decided to go through with being in the passage on Fox, which was sadly canceled. But because of that decision, it took his episode count from the hundred 
down a lot. So we only get him for a couple episodes this season. And of course, mostly it's just been him, you know, in cryo or on a gurney or bleeding out, things like that. So that plays a lot into why this plotline is happening at all. I do want to like give a big shout out. Like they could very, like, E- very easily just been like, yeah, Kane died, but they're, they're no, keeping they're, they him. Care. They care. They care. They're keeping him so present. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, definitely as someone who like has, I started the show for Paige Turco, but obviously like I love Kane and Abby's relationship the most. Like that's why, one of the reasons why I watched the show. Of course, now that the show is so super Star Trek now, I'm like, okay, I can put that aside as one of my big main focus and really look at the overall plot of the show and mm-hmm. be like, yes, this is an equal balance for me now. Right. But as someone who loves their relationship, this is really hard to take. But I do appreciate how much effort has been made to do this with as much, like, I think delicacy as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't just, you know, let Kane disappear. And they didn't just kill him off. They didn't just say, oh, we died in cryo and just send him away. They built an entire season arc around trying to save him. And I think that that's really thoughtful of the writers. Like, I can't ask for more than that. And if he dies next week, this is all I could have asked for. Because I don't, I mean, given, you know, everything that's going on, like, I really don't think that this plotline can sustain itself. Mm -hmm. Because you can't take a main character who's been in the show for five seasons, stick him in a new body and say, yeah, that's Kane. For an audience, that's not going to work. Yeah. In my opinion. Like, could you be like, yeah, that's Kane from now on? I mean, it's going to be hard, but, and I think that, um, Grayston has the, one of the biggest acting challenges of, of the season, Mm -hmm. to be honest, like, um. Other than Eliza, of course. I mean, Eliza even kind of gets to shape Josie, like, Sarah, I think her name is, like, got to, we got to see Josie first and everything, but Eliza also, like, helps shape Josie, whereas we have seen and loved Kane for five full seasons, and therefore, like, he has to get the mannerisms, he has to get the the cadence of speaking, he has to get, you know, like, which he's doing, by the way, like, I, I knew when he said, when he, when he said said her name, when he said, I, 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 yeah, yeah, he, he figured it out. I knew that it would all hinge on how he said her name. Yeah. And he did it perfectly. It's just like Shannon said that he like studied uh, Chelsea and Chris yes. and and watched them, knowing that he had not only not only was he their kid, but also he was raised by them and spent all of his life with them. Mm-hmm. And he had to pay attention to them. But it's even harder because he's he's his own character, yeah. whereas Grayson is playing Kane. Yeah, this and this is why I don't think sustainable. Right. I don't think that it's fair to put an actor in a situation where they don't get to create their own character. They're just mimicking what someone Mm -hmm. else did for five to six years. Well, that's also why it's like, it was so fun in Deathly Hallows part two, watching Helena Bonham Carter be Emma Watson. Yeah. Or like, it it was very cool because it was Helena Bonham Carter pretending to be Emma Watson, pretending to be be Helena Bonham Carter. It was a woman pretending pretending to be a woman. It was was Victoria. Hermione pretending to be Bellatrix. It was Emma Watson playing Hermione, who was pretending to be Bellatrix, but it was Helena Bottom Carter pretending to be Emma Watson, who was pretending to be Bell- Bellatrix, who was, who was pretending to be Hermione, who was pretending to be Bellatrix. Yeah. Like, it was, it was so nuts. It was, it was crazy, yeah. but that was only, like, five yeah. to ten minutes of the film. This and... is, like, you expect me to sustain this for another season? Yeah. Nah. No, I don't And know. I mean, that's not, that's not a comment on Grayson. I'm actually really excited to see what he's going to do with this character. It's a comment on, in terms of a show, how do you justify that to your audience? Yeah. You know, like, how do you say, well, 
we lost this actor. So we just like put like, it's not like when you recast someone, because this isn't a recasting. Mm -hmm. It's literally an implantation. Yeah. And that's different. I don't know. For me, it's just like, I'm excited to see where it goes. But at the same time, I'm very apprehensive because I'm still like of the tin hat thing where I'm like, there's time stuff going on. There's like special like secret sap that heals things. Like, you know, Kane has a neural mesh in his brain. Like there's all these little puzzle pieces that the show is laying out that like me, like putting on my clown makeup is like, hey, they could still bring Kane back. Like even though his body is like dead on a table, I'm like, yeah, it could still happen. But if it doesn't, at this point, I don't know if I want Kane to live. Well, like Kane is not my favorite character. No, he, I, I I love Kane, but he's not my favorite character. No, for a lot of people, he's not a lot of people's favorite characters. And I, I, you know, Ian has a special place in my heart because he was on Lost. Yeah. Like, Ian, honestly, was one of the reasons why I started watching The 100. Yeah, because of course. I, I mean, you know, I watched the first season and I was like, why is Desmond mean? Yeah. Um, so I kept watching for the actual story. Yeah. But I started watching for Ian, so... Um, of course, Ian has a very special place in my heart, but, like, Kane is not my favorite character. My yeah. favorite character is Murphy, who also wants this to happen to him. And if anyone else could play Murphy other than Richard Harmon, I would be livid. Yeah. No one can play Murphy except for Rick. Yeah, it's like you get attached to your favorite character and their face and their mannerisms and how they are, and then it goes to someone else, and you're like, okay, like, I love this character, but this isn't who I thought I knew. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And, like, the whole plotline of this season is... Yeah, you may go in another person, but the cost of that will will take your soul away. Yeah. And and not only is it like hard for Abby to like look at Kane as Gavin yeah. or Kane 2 or whatever, but it's also just as hard for Kane to like see Abby pull away from him because he's not and it wasn't even his decision. And like for sure that's going to happen again. To be to be a, in a new body and yeah. Abby's going to be pulling away from him even though Obviously, he should already be mad at Abby for putting him in a separate yeah. body. But if he isn't, then it's just going to be just as hard for her to, to for him to see her pull away from him. Exactly. Because even though it was her decision, it doesn't to do feel that. right. Yeah. Something feels wrong about it. Yeah. Like, and I think there's supposed to be an air of wrongness about it. Like, we are supposed to be jarred by this. I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm scared. I'm excited for the actor opportunity that it gives Grayson. I'm excited yeah. for the acting opportunity that it gives Paige. Like, of course, I always want the best for both of them. And for Ian as well, but I don't know if it's sustainable at this point. Right. And that's my thoughts on that. As a cabbie shipper, I'm just like, oh God, these two characters have not kissed since season four. If the first kiss that they have on screen is this, I'm going to be mad as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and I want everyone to know it because I have not gotten a cabbie kiss since 402. That was two years ago. Also... I hate to bring up Riverdale again, but our main ship on Riverdale is called Snake Parents. Yeah. And yeah. FP and Alice yeah. have shot yeah. kissing scenes and they have they never aired them. them. They keep cutting them. <laughs> they have never aired yeah. them. And Machen thinks that they're going to air them and then they don't. And so she tells us that we're getting an, an FP and Alice kiss and that we don't get them. That's and how I feel. That frustration <laughs> right there that you're feeling that is making you put your hands to your head, Ooh. that's how I feel about the fact that Kate and Abby somehow have not kissed. We had one one moment in like I think it was 504, 503, 502, somewhere in there where they almost kissed and then they're interrupted and we're like, oh well, they'll make up for it later than the season. This has to be building to a big kiss. No, 
<laughs> like literally clown shoes squeaking. I've got my makeup on. I've got the like oversized shoes. Like that's how I feel right now. Honk I feel honk. like an idiot. Like literally honk honk. Like kids alive. <laughs> like, everything's fine. Like come on kids. Let's like go to the circus. Like oh no. I run the circus. <laughs> I run the circus. Like, Who wants I, a balloon animal? I, <laughs> I make Pana and that's it. <laughs> No, just Pana. <laughs> I'm gonna pee my pants. I won't pee your pants. I feel so delirious. Anyway, welcome to my circus. It's called Kane is somehow still alive in his original body. I'm glad to have you here. Cool. Anyway, I have to actually go pee now. Bye. Hey, Robin. Do you know what Patreon is? I do know what Patreon is, and I would love to tell you about it. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. And we actually have a Patreon. Our lowest donation is $1 a month. That's right. That's it. That's actually um pretty good deal. Yeah, it is. You only have to like not buy yourself a coffee once a month. Um, and that's even like $3. If you want to do $3, we would love that. It basically, it just goes up to as far as you want. But um, yeah, what you get with that is early access at least one day. Sometimes more than one day. And yeah. But if you can't donate for any reason, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. And if you also, if you don't have any friends, um, you can write us a review on iTunes. And you're our friend now. So Yeah, you're I, also, you're our friend. Sorry in advance. Yeah. Literally, if anyone tweets us, I'm just like, follow. <laughs> be like, hi. And if I don't follow, literally tweet me and be like, can you follow me? And I'll be like, oh, yeah. Sure. Because like, I don't notice things. I'm an airhead. Yeah. 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 All right. You ready, D? What would you like to talk about? Sanctum of the Forest. Oh, I definitely like to talk about the forest. It's a little smaller. Oh my god, let's talk about the forest. I have a lot of you want to talk about the. You call this plotline a little smaller as if this isn't where the meat of the season is. I mean, it's cool. true. Zabriel and Dioza arrive at his camp, which he calls The Verge. It's on the edge of the anomaly and it makes some weird sounds, y'all. Zabriel turns the power on and a whole mess of radio chatter starts up. They head into his tent. Dioza notices that there's a picture of Josephine in there. She says Gabriel must have loved her, but Josie was just looking to get laid. I think, like, Dioza can relate. The anomaly affects plants in the same way the eclipse does, so they can't go in there armed. Dioza doesn't love that plan. Octavia freaks out and Dioza calms her down. Zabriel says the aging has spread to her brain and examines her. Dioza figures out that he's Gabriel and we are geniuses. Gabriel says it's time to figure out what the anomaly wants with Dioza. Hello. Hi. How are ya? Hi. I am so uh, I'm just, humble about this. I'm not. Um, yeah, I guess we were right. We genuinely thought this was a crackpot ass freaking like, no, this was, there was no freaking way. It was just like, with people in new bodies, we're like, all right, let's start pointing fingers. Yeah, and exactly. Like, ah, you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so we got that one right. Thank you to everyone who tweeted us during the episode to tell us how smart we were. It that made was us so feel nice. pretty good. Yeah, we were like, we were like sitting on the couch, we're like, we knew it! So, um, that was a great moment for us. Thank so you. now that we know this... For sure. I've just, I'm, I'm just a little, I mean, now we get some answers, so I love it. But, like, at the same time, now it's like, so he's known the entire time. So he's kind of been using Octavian Dioza as What do you mean known? Known what? He's known who Dioza is, you mean? No. What I meant was, so now that, like, we know, now we can look back at his actions and go, okay, so he wasn't helping them out of the goodness of his heart. He was helping them because it was very much like, know your enemy. Like, gotcha. those two people want to kill him. 
but he right. needs something from them, which is, I need to know what's going on with the anomaly, mm-hmm. but I'm too scared to go in there myself. Right. So he's like, well, one of them will do it. And I mean, Josephine says later, he's like, she's like, oh, you'll probably get your answers. Yeah. So he's just using them, mm-hmm. which makes sense because, I mean, as a prime, this this 100% to me goes very much with what Selena from Hypable was talking about, which is, yeah, you go into new body, but does your soul go with you? Right. And I think that's such a good point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing in favor of why Kane cannot be in any body but his, because all of these primes are quite soulless. It seems like Riker does okay. But he's still doing the things for self-preservation. Yeah. His morals should have been, oh, I need to tell someone that Josephine's alive. And instead it was, I need to help Josephine so she doesn't expose me. Right. I mean, I'm I'm not going to pretend to understand Riker, because I literally just met him, and his relationship with Gabriel, which we've only just gotten more details about this episode. Mm-hmm. But... I wonder if it's like Riker doesn't approve of this sort of thing, but he's not, but he's still willing to do it. And he found that Gabriel was finally like brave enough to say, I don't want to do it anymore. So he helped him get out because he's like, I'm not strong enough. I'm not strong enough to do it. I'm too much of a coward to not do this anymore, but I respect the heck out of you. And I wish I would, I could do that. Yeah. And so that's why he helped him escape. But at the same time though, that still is like, dude, Where's your bravery? You're like yeah. 200 years old. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff we hear on the radio yes. is Raven calling Shaw. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, You cool. can hear Raven calling Shaw and then someone radioing about uh, Planet Alpha or Team Alpha. Okay. And that's all I was really able to make out. Could you make out anything else? Uh, Netflix's subtitles literally just said radio chatter. Yeah, I was like, okay, leave I was like, come on. Um, But you were thinking that it was like voices from the past and it seems like it definitely is mm-hmm. because it's like it's just kind of like gathering up all of the radio signals yeah. and just playing them on a loop like a bunch of them I guess yeah something. it's very much like it's a magnet for all of those radio signals so they don't get out they just kind of get trapped in at the verge I guess yeah I don't I wonder why yeah you know could it seems like nobody could have taken Dioza and Octavia to the verge except for Gabriel. Yeah. Because they're like, we don't know where the old man is. He's like, what did they, I can't remember what they said. They said something about like, he's over by the anomaly or like he's over off yonder. He could be dead. Who knows? Yeah. Right? So it seems like they didn't know where he was. So like, I feel like it should have been a red flag that he was even like, yeah, I know where he is. <laughs> oh yeah. Good point. Another thing that I pointed at, or that I picked out of this scene was when um, Gabriel was showing them his spirals. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he had one on his chest which I guess was Xavier's chest, and Gabriel put it there? Yeah. Or was the probably... anomaly also calling Xavier? No, I think he marked his own body. Okay. Um, and Dioza was on the one who was drawing, but then when we got to his house, we saw that he also yeah. did some drawings, and it seemed like maybe there were some Chinese characters inside the spirals. Or it was like some type of character. I'm just saying that it's Chinese because it seems like the Chinese language is very present in this season. I, I slowed it down. Yeah. And it just looks like symbols to me. Okay. Um, it doesn't very. It doesn't look like it's any dialect of you okay. know the Chinese language that it. On, I did find. not. I didn't look at it for very long. Yeah, there's numbers written in some of them, but no, nothing that's overly legible. Gotcha. Um, probably just because you know it's just little nonsense things that like people wrote out, mm-hmm. like the art department wrote out or something. Right. But I do have a lot of questions about why he tattooed it to himself. Yeah. Or if the anomaly did it to him. 
Right. Yeah, it'd be interesting if, like, Octavia came out and she also had one, and then that would tell us that Gabriel did the same thing. You know, my question with Octavia that we'll get to later is whether or not she still has her tattoo. Mm, gotcha. Which we never got an explanation for, but whatever. Octavia's hair? Okay. I have said this before and I will say it again. I'm not 100% versed on how ha- hair works. Um, I've read a lot on the cultural appropriation of black hairstyles or of, you know, dreads in general. From what I've been able to understand, white hair doesn't dread like this. So the fact that this show continues to insist that, like, Octavia's hair will just dread when it's unclean. Like, white hair just gets kind of gross and greasy. So they just, this show does this a lot. They, they're they like, oh yeah, like, you have dreads. And it's like, you don't, you're white, you don't. So I don't know, that just was a whole mess. And I'm very glad that they fixed that. Well, I have a question about this, because it seems like you've done more, definitely more research than I have done on this subject. Is it that it doesn't do it in a short amount of time or that it will not? Because she's supposed to be like aging very quickly. So like if she just hasn't full on, just hasn't brushed her hair and like thinks it's been 20 years, will her hair do that? No. Okay. Like from what I've been able to tell people with, and I'm not saying all, all white people, just cause like I know people with Marie's type of hair, Octavia's type of hair, in order to get quote unquote white dreads, you have to rip your hair. Oh yeah. So you need to, what people do, like I got weirdly obsessed with watching people take their dreads out, like white people take their dreads out. Cause they're like, Hey, I shouldn't be wearing these. So what they do is they tie their hair in a knot and then they pull the knot up and then they like kind of rip it. Mm. And then they just do it over and over and over again. So I don't, I mean, of course, someone chime in if they're like, hey, you sound stupid and it does do this. But from what I've been able to tell, it doesn't. So okay. that's a whole mess. But her hair's clean now. So yeah. um, Gabriel still loves Josie. He sure does. Wow. Dude, why? If if she was his like greatest fear and like, oh, you just come to the anomaly just to see me and like everything, like he would not have that photo of her. Yeah. If, if he was like, no, I'm not interested in even like looking mm-hmm. at Josie, she's terrifying and I don't want anything yeah. to do with her. He would not have that photo in his house. And he clearly knew Josie in a couple other bodies. Yeah. But that first one is the one that. Yeah. Like, and she's obsessed with that too. Mm-hmm. So this actually leads me to a theory, which is they all seem, well, some of them seem quite obsessed with their original selves. Yeah. I do wonder if at some point everyone's going to end up walking into the anomaly and going back in time. Right. So, like, Josie ends up in her original body. I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if that would make sense just because, like, would it not bring them back in time in that body? Like, I don't know. Their other bodies are, like, in the basement, then they're all skeletons right now. But, theoretically, if you took the skeleton. Yeah, I guess if you took the skeleton. You could de-age it. Sure. I mean, it did de-age Octavia. As far as we've, far as we've seen so far. Yeah. So. I did not realized we were actually going I mean we should have known because it was called the old man but um like the t- this episode was was named for him but I didn't realize we were actually like if we were to get confirmation that Xavier was Gabriel that we were going to get it this episode no, shocking but I was like so ready to like talk about it after this moment where Dioza was like yeah and I don't think she actually loved him she was trying to get laid and then <laughs> Xavier's face is like well, that's rude. Yeah, like, well, I wouldn't know, would I? <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, I wouldn't know because I wasn't there and also I'm not him. So, like, if that had been it, we would have come in here and been like, we are correct. But, like, oh my god, just the audacity of Dios. Yeah. Dios to be like, 
So yeah, like I'm just gonna psychoanalyze you really quick. So like you really loved this girl, right? Because she looks happy in this picture, and you wouldn't keep a happy picture of someone unless you love them. Oh, and Sherlock. also like she was only in it for the D, dude. Yeah. And it's like no, Dioza, that was you when you boned <laughs> McCreary that one time, and now look where you are. But like the like she said it just to make him angry, and well, I she don't didn't know, know why it was him yet. But like why say it? Yeah. Like. Is it either? No, she, she, just, she didn't know. So she probably just did it because she's like, I think I'm funny. Either that or Ugh. she was like, I'm just trying to find clues as to where he could be. And or how much you say, know about him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love Charmaine Diaz with my whole heart. And if anything happened to her, I will kill everyone and then myself. Thank you. I have bad news potentially, but I <laughs> hope that she's fine. Um, one of the other things I picked out was that he said that the plants attack. Yeah, the same way they release toxins, the same way right. they do under the red sun. Gotcha. Yeah. Next scene. Zabriel, O, and Dioza do a casual walk and talk through the woods. The anomaly forces Zabriel to see Josie all through the woods. Dioza thinks he's a coward for not being willing to die for his cause. He couldn't fully die if the drive wasn't removed, so he taught a null called Eduardo how to remove it. Eduardo loved Gabriel too much to let him die, so he put him in a freely born host, Xavier. Gabriel got angry and killed Eduardo for his weakness. No one knew he was in Xavier's body, so he just pretended to be Xavier. Octavia thinks he was too afraid to lead his people. She sees Bellamy handcuffed and cries. Dioza pulls her back. So this is the whole theme of the season, just by the way, is the quote, he loved you too much to lose you. I know the feeling. Yeah. That's, that's Abby's storyline. That's Clark's storyline. That's, right. that's everybody. That's the whole show. But especially this season, like, that's Abby. Right. So, okay. Respect. But also, how does this actually work with Josie and Gabriel's story? Okay. This, okay. So just, you and I are going to group think this for a second. Okay. So he says he couldn't fully die unless the mind drive was removed. Okay. Does that mean that he couldn't fully die because he needed the mind drive to be destroyed? Right. Because we had said before, like, do, do they just hang out in their mind palace? So like- before they get a new host. If he wanted to properly die, let himself die of old age, or just get shot in the neck? Hello, problem solved. Right. You're dead. Yeah. Why did he have to raise a child, teach the child how to kill him, and then he turns around and gets pissed when the child is like, hey, no, I'm not going to kill you? Right. I mean, Emily, who is I Followed Fires, pointed this out on Twitter, where she's like, couldn't he have just died? And it's like, yeah, actually, probably, um, yeah, he probably could have. I mean, we, I guess we just don't have all the rules. Yeah, and I mean, the way this storyline has been playing out, I think we will get the rules. Yeah. Because they're doing a really good job of this one. Yeah. So, Zabriel sees Josie, O sees Bellamy, Dioza is the only one who sees somebody from the future. Mm-hmm. Or something from the future. What does that mean? I think, well, it, he says... That it shows him, like, he says this later. Do you want to go into the next scene and then we'll just talk about all of this at once? Uh, sure. Because this is, this is like the end scene, but I think it'll just sum up the sure. whole. Yeah, okay. Josephine appears to Gabriel and tells him to talk to her. The anomaly makes your darkest fear or your deepest desire appear. Sometimes it's both. Dioza begins to hear Hope calling for her. Josie says it's 10 to 1 that Dioza goes in and then Gabriel might get his answers. They arrive at the anomaly. Dioza sees Hope holding her hand and lets her lead her toward the anomaly. Xavier and Octavia try to stop her. No one who has gone in has ever gone out. She'll die. Dioza knows that she has to go inside, so she does. Octavia follows her in immediately. When she runs back out, she's back to normal and completely healed. Okay, so if we're looking at, like, the rules of what, like, Gabriel, Zabriel says, it's something that is also your deepest desire. Right. So maybe Hope is, her deepest desire is to see Hope alive and healthy and to get to be a mom. Well, the thing about it is that, like, Hope says, mom, help, help, help. 
So then the child is in danger. So that would right. make sense. Because what's what's a mother's deepest fear? Yeah. Your child's in danger. Yeah. So that may, I mean, that's, you know, that's Clark to a T with sure. Maddie. Mm-hmm. So, but it also might be your biggest fear because if you were like this woman who's been in cryosleep for a couple hundred years and you were a terrorist, you'd kind of be afraid to be a mom. Yeah. That's definitely true. Yeah, I see that. It's interesting that hers is the only one from the future, but it also kind of makes sense because, like, for Zabriel, Josie's still alive. Alive. Mm-hmm. For Octavia, Bellamy's still alive. Diosa seems to care about Octavia, but other than that, like, nobody else in her family, her friends, like, mm-hmm. nobody she's ever really known is even still around or alive. Exactly. So hope is the only thing that she has. Kind of sad, but also because of the word hope. It's kind of beautiful. It's kind of beautiful. <laughs> we talked about this in the car today, but I was just really excited that, like, we we of the Cabby fandom just decided that when Kane picked Hope as the baby's name, that was going to be the baby's name. And then it turned out that that Dioza was like, yeah, I like that name. I'm going to call her Hope. So when she called her Hope in this episode, I was like, ah, we were right. Yeah. And that was really cute. So he taught Eduardo how to do it, who was a null infant that was saved from the offering grove. Um, so clearly Isaac had that, like, saved say, a do couple. do you think that was that baby that Isaac I don't think saved? it was, I don't no, think it was, was that years. baby. Never mind. Uh, it definitely wasn't that baby. Also, it seems Listen, like- I got mixed up with time. You're right. But it seems like when Isaac died, that baby probably also died because nobody yeah. came and got them. Um, oh, Josie, you suck. So then he put it inside Xavier against his wishes. So Xavier was past 21 at this point. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise Xavier would have died. So do you think this implies that Xavier as a nightblood defected? No, because um, I think that they say that oh, like- Oh, he's freely born, of course. Yeah, I'm stupid. Um, So like his parents were- and then, They must have both carried the gene. Yeah, so they both defected, mm-hmm. or someone else passed, or in his ancestry. Um, how was Xavier born if all cogs are nulls? They're so not. we talked about that. Freeborn host. I would hate to be called that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, cool. So killed Eduardo and took Xavier's identity. Who was already a person? Who was 21 years old? Yep. So that's like, just like how, I mean, it's completely different, but like how Grayson is having to take on all of the mannerisms of Kane. Yep. Gabriel or- then had to take on all the mannerisms of yeah exactly right right. doy yeah Yeah. so he has to like legit pretend to be xavier who yeah but he had the advantage of knowing xavier as well that's definitely true but it's also worse because Mm -hmm. when the primes come back they don't know the people who they were you know like priya's like yeah i'm sure delilah was great clearly this guy was a big fan of her yeah but i didn't know her but like that's another thing is it's like Gabriel knew Xavier, and so not only was it like, I have to pretend to be him now, and good thing I knew him, but it's also like- I have to wear this face. I have to wear this face, look in the mirror, this face that like, even though it wasn't my decision, I basically killed to be alive. Yeah. Raven would be really upset. (laughs) Raven would be upset. Yeah. When was Bellamy tied up like this? In the pit last season? I thought it was either in the pit last season or in the gorge when he and Kane were tied up, but I don't think Octavia was there for that. Yeah, I was gonna say that, like, I thought it was... I remember him being tied up like that in the gorge with Roan, so that was, like, in season four, but, like, that feels like a... That was, like, over six years ago for yeah. her, so... And it also Bellamy looks like season five Bellamy, yeah, so I think, I it's think the pit. it yeah. was the pit. But, of course, that's her deepest fear, is she threw her brother into the pit. Right, so either it's a boggart or it's the mirror of Erised. Fully. Yeah. Fully. So I think this is something interesting about Octavia. Mm. Because she's kind of out of her mind, but she sees Bellamy and she starts to cry. Yeah. 
we haven't seen Octavia that vulnerable in a long time. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how soft Dioza is with her? Fully. Oh my god. Like, when she calmed her down in the tent, and she was like, it's me, it's Dioza, and, you know, Octavia was like, two two serpents, one garden. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. Yeah. Like, their bond is quite effortless, but it's really, it's understated, but it's good. And also, if her brain has started to go back, like, or to go into the future, mm-hmm. who knows how long it's been since she's seen Bellamy in her brain. So, like, even, yeah. like, reminding her of what she did to Bellamy is already really hard, but, like, if she, if her brain is so far in the future that she hasn't seen Bellamy in, like, a bajillion years, that's even, that's even more of a reason Especially to if she started to develop any type of dementia. Yeah, right. So then it's, like, what, when is this happening in her brain as well? Right. Like, what version of Octavia is experiencing this memory yeah but yeah i really liked um dioza catching her and keeping track of her the whole time as well it's clear to me that dioza knew exactly what she was doing like when octavia was freaking out about bellamy dioza was like it's okay we know what this is and then like when dioza started going into the anomaly octavia was like she's not actually there you're going to die oh my god like Mm -hmm. it's clear that dioza knew exactly what she was doing like she was it wasn't the point where she like like sirens, you know, sirens yeah. who like um lure lure yeah. I mean specifically men in mythology, but like yeah, gender's a construct. They lure no, it the whole point is that they lure men in and then they kill yeah. them. Yeah, so like so they they lure in yeah, they lure in men and then they kill them. So but Dioza knew exactly what she was doing. She mm-hmm. wasn't like being brainwashed by a siren. Like she knew exactly it, what she was I doing. I think it was alluring. I think it definitely it did have was a, a pull for sure. It definitely had a pull Josie even bets on it. Yeah. But I don't think it was, like, a pull enough so it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just going to my death. Like, it was clear she, like, turned around and she was like, I don't know what's gonna mm-hmm. happen and I don't I really just know care. That it's right. It's what I'm supposed to do, so I'm gonna go do it. Yeah. Which I, I love a kind of story like that where... You know, I used to hate this kind of story. Mm-hmm. I used to hate where someone relies more on man of faith than man of science. Mm-hmm. But I've definitely come to appreciate sometimes you go with your gut. Yeah. And Dioza was like, I don't know why this is happening. And we may never get an explanation for why Dioza felt the need to do it. And if we don't, that's okay with me. Yeah. It's just, she was like, I know in my gut that this is what I'm supposed to do. And this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And then I think it speaks absolute volumes that Octavia didn't even hesitate. She yeah. just followed Dioza right in. Mm-hmm. I think that's that speaks so much to how much trust there is between them, despite the fact that they're both just unstable. Mm-hmm. I love it. They're all being called by the anomaly, but I guess Dioza is the one who's being called the most or like just like the best. <laughs> or maybe it's that Dioza, maybe it's it if you fear something, hmm. the anomaly has a different effect on you than if you desire something. Right. Like maybe Dioza's motives for going in were just so different from Octavian Zabriel's. Right. You know? Yeah. It's kind of like the Philosopher's Stone. Mm -hmm. I can hear like 3,000 people on Twitter going, read another book. And I'm like, listen, but it fits. So shut up. There's a lot of Harry Potter this season. There's a lot of Lost. There's a lot of Star Trek. And you know what? Those are our wheelhouses. So we're going to keep talking about that. There's like this thing that's going on on Twitter right now where, you know, people will make jokes like, you know, Elizabeth Warren raises her hand and they're like, this is big Hermione Granger energy. And then there's like a thousand people all fighting in Twitter threads going, read another book. And they're like, you don't have to read another book. I've read lots of other books. This is the analogy you want to make. And they're like, please educate yourself. And I'm like, y'all just shut up. Like, I swear to God. But that's what I feel now. Whenever anyone mentions Harry Potter, it's just a bunch of angry people on Twitter going, read another book. And I'm like, I've read a bunch of other books. This fits. But 
that's the best, and I, this isn't a Harry Potter podcast, of which there are many, and I listen to a few of them, but one of the be- best things about Harry Potter is that it ha- it's so long and so fantastic that there are pieces of it that you can basically an- analogize. And- is that a word? No. Mm. It has universal themes. It has universal yeah. themes. You can basically connect it to just about anything, and you can, you know, but that's find a point. way to... Yeah. You know? So and that's the, that's point. the whole and, point of storytelling. And that's also, why anything that happens, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Well, some some, <laughs> and also so many people have read Harry Potter that it's like it's a pretty good analogy to make mm-hmm. that most people will also understand. So Harry Potter is always like a really great thing to connect things to. But I mean, of course, I'm sure someone listening to this disagrees and stuff. But like, especially with politics, a lot of people are being like, "You're dumbing it down." This and this, and I'm like. If you're trying to make something accessible that is inaccessible otherwise because maybe the comp- the whole idea is too complicated and you say, hey, here's an analogy from Harry Potter that'll make this make sense. You go, oh, I get it now. And then I can go and learn about this completely independent from the dumb Harry Potter reference that was made. But now I understand freaking, I don't know, gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. You know, like y- you take a complex thing, you make it accessible, and then you allow someone a gateway into learning. There's just, it's common theme. So, like, shut up about dictating how other people interpret media. But anyway, okay, so, yeah, it's very much like a, you said it was like a Philosopher's Stone type thing? You said that. I said that? (laughs) Yeah. God, I'm smart sometimes. (laughs) Okay, so, Octavia? Yeah. Which version of Octavia is this? It looks like season one Octavia, but the literally the only thing that I have to go off on that is her hair. So, I really don't know how much that actually counts for anything. Yeah. We did see season one Monty last episode, so they're going season one with stuff, which I think is really cool. But yeah, the only way, the only reason I think that is because of her hair. So next episode is really going to answer that question. Yeah, I'm really excited for next episode. I would love for it to be season one Octavia. Not to the point where it's like, who are you? Where's Finn? But like, (laughs) yeah, like, can you imagine if she was just like, what? Like, she literally like her literal brain was brought back to season one. Like that would I don't want that. No, I don't want that. But like, it's like <laughs> it's like it's a do over. She gets she gets to start over. It feels exactly. like feel, like like she's had so many rebirths. Even like a couple episodes ago in the Orbeez, she had a rebirth. But like this is like a, the big probably the biggest one that she'll ever have if if that's what it actually is. But I like hope they don't do that because I'm like um you can't just <laughs> literally Sam wrote this in her review. But there's this quote from Battlestar, which is, um, you can't hide from the things that you've done sooner or later. The day comes when you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore. And like, to me, that's just Octavia all over, you know, it's just, you can't run and hide from the things that you've done anymore. So I hope they don't erase it. Yeah. That's all I have on that whole plot line. Me too. Cool. Next. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything to do in between the plot lines. Okay, so let's go to Sanctum. Clark's brain only has 36 hours before it's damaged beyond repair. Russell wants to get Josephine out of Clark and into a new body, but Josie doesn't want that. She thinks Clark would kill all of them if they brought her back, but Russell isn't so sure. So here's my number one takeaway from this scene. Clark has to go into the anomaly. Gotcha. She has irreparable brain damage. Right. You know, like already. Yeah. She she has to go into the anomaly and gosh, isn't it lucky that they're going to find Gabriel? Yeah. Luckily, luckily they are already past the fence. Yeah. So Russell is telling her that she can't tell Priya, but she, but she chooses to tell Riker because she knows he won't say anything because she has dirt on him. Blackmail is a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
Josephine is just like a genius. Yeah. <laughs> like she's horrible, but she's so smart. Also, Priya gets so mad later that like Russell's like, don't tell Priya because he knows that Priya's gonna be bad. Yeah, I mean he's known her for 200 years. Yeah. Um, so Russell wants to put Josie in someone else and give Clark back. But of course, Josie likes Clark's body, so she's like, I wanna keep this one just in case I get in put into an ugly one next. Okay, but like probably literally that sounds like her. She's self-centered, of course. Yeah, she's like, oh, like she's in a Ferrari right now. Why would she's she like and like for pride reasons, she's like, I won this one, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. He says, have Jade fetch you Clark's clothes. So I missed this the first time around. And when Josie was saying to Riker that like Jade has a letter for my father that says what your crap is, I was like, no one knows what you're talking about, you idiot. <laughs> Jade is dead. Like two episodes ago, Echo left her in the freaking offering grove and we never saw her go back for her. That means Jade is dead. And I thought that was brilliant. They're like, oh my God, she's going to get caught in a lie. Yeah. I was like, I was like, no, like Riker could do whatever he wants because mm-hmm. Jade is dead. So she doesn't have the letter so that, so there you go. Sucks to be you. And then it turned out that Jade was not dead. And y'all forgot to tell us, I guess. I really feel like that's a plot hole. The show doesn't often have these, like, I wouldn't even call it a gaping plot hole because it's just a little one. It's just a little one, but like, continuity slip. They just, they don't do it very often. So it feels like I feel personally affronted. I'm like, I thought Jade was dead and she was not dead. No, I think this is something that they should have told us. I don't think it was something that should have been cut because if you have a really plot heavy season and you know people are theorizing, if you leave out a huge piece of information like this, it doesn't seem like it's huge, but it actually is because Echo's whole storyline revolved around Jade in that episode. Yeah. So you can't just undo that storyline and be like, oh, well, everything's fine. Hello? Hello? I was like, Jade is dead. Ha ha ha. And I that am so smart. so cool. And, and it wasn't even me being stupid because no. how was I to know that Jade wasn't dead? No, you weren't being stupid at all. Like you and I were like, oh my God, Jade's dead. Like she doesn't actually have an ace up her sleeve. Like it's going to be so dramatic. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Bellamy and co group think what to do now that they know that Clark is alive. They're going to kidnap Josephine and have Abby, Raven, and Jackson use the EMP to get Josie out of Clark. Jordan is so worried about Delilah. Okay. Maddie would rather kill all the primes and take sanctum for themselves. Literally no one is into that plan, but Echo does recognize that it would work if they were into mass murder. They can't tell Murphy and Amori about their plan, but they'll take them to space with them when the time arises. Okay, Jordan... Here's the thing. I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jordan. Jordan, like, we pinged this early on as the weakest part of the season. Brittany. And it is. Brittany. <laughs> Can I read you one of my notes yes. verbatim of what yes. I wrote? Yes. Jordan, STFU about Delilah. <laughs> I literally wrote, shut up, Jordan. <laughs> and it's like, it's so unfair because yeah. he's just... He it has was his such first a, love. And he has such he a only knew her for heart. one day. And it's like, bro. Buddy, no. Bro, I get it. She my was dude, your first. My man, but okay, but you're not uh, you're not willing to get stabbed for it. Especially when you know that she's basically gone. Oh, it's just like, bro. I get it. I get it. He has such a big heart. Like, he's such a Monty and he's such a Harper and he cares so much. And he's like, that was an innocent life that was taken. And I get it. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of this... It Jordan, doesn't matter. Jordan, my good dude, I love you and your bleeding heart, but now is not the time. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I love the part where Maddie was just like, well, I don't care about your crap because I'm the commander. And I'm like, 
Jordan doesn't give a crap about commanders. Yeah, literally when he did that, I was like, shut up, Maddie. <laughs> like, he, he wasn't raised in that place. Like, and he, no. and he was raised by two people who also were raised in that. <laughs> came in his facial expression. She's like, I'm the commander. And he was like, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. Like, I mean, but this is what it goes back to. It's like, we can't just be like, shut up, Jordan, or shut up, Maddie, because they both have points. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I picked out of this scene was um, that Abby still doesn't know that Clark is apparently gone. Oh, she's going to hurt so many people. We really thought that Abby knew because of the way Paige... Yeah, we sure did. That. Turned out that um, Weird. they were just handing Abby the idiot ball again. Again. That's nice. So Maddie wants to kill everybody or Shade Hedda does. And he's like, is this Shade Hedda? And Maddie's just like, um... I'm not gonna say full on no, but, he but is it doesn't matter. Right behind you. Yeah. <laughs> so she wants to kill Miranda, and everyone will think it's the Cogs. This is this is a pretty intricate plan that winds up working, and I'm like, well, you got lucky, kid. Yeah, like they literally went. Like I have thoughts on this when she actually does go and kill Miranda, so I'll leave them mm-hmm. for that. But what do yeah. you think of her knowing that Echo? Like, first of all, she looks at she calls Echo spy, and I'm like, okay. Second of all. So, of course, it makes sense that strategically Echo would understand that, yeah, this is certainly a plan. Yeah. I like that Echo is like, but we're not really into murder. And Maddie's like, um, since when? She's like, listen, me neither, but the guy behind you is. And that's who's influencing me right now. So. Uh. I feel so bad for Maddie because she's little and she's got all these people in her brain. And then there's like this big Sith Lord just sitting around being like, kill people. Yeah. It's like, what so, if she just wanted to go swing yeah. on the swing set? I have Bellamy thoughts. Oh my god. Are they Murphy thoughts? Kind of, just mm-hmm. to be clear. Mm-hmm. So they say we can't trust Amori because she's probably with John. Mm-hmm. And Echo's like, even Amori? And I'm like, yes. But what Bellamy says is that we will take them with, even if we have to do it by force. So what he's saying is, even if Amori and John are completely against us, we're like, taking him anyway. For example, later when I full on call him a traitor and ha- and say that I don't care about him to his freaking face. In this scene, he says, we're going to take them with even if we have to do it by force. We are taking them with no matter what happens. If if they're completely against us and they try and kill us, we're still taking them with because they're our family. So that's why I'm like, Bellamy, what is good? Oh, I the whole time thought that Bellamy was just putting on a performance there to make Josie think that Murphy didn't have any worth and he- that she'd drop him. The De- classic hostage situation. Ben tried it with Alex. Sure. In Lust. But Murphy doesn't know that. And his face is really sad. Same with Ben and Alex. Yeah, that's definitely I think true. it's the same tragic situation where, like, Bellamy's just saying stuff to get Josie to stop doing what she's doing. And Murphy's like, hey. Here's the thing, though, is on Lost, when that happens, and Ben is saying that, you know for a fact that like, you can see on Ben's face that what he's saying is strategic. And what he's saying is he's not actually telling mm-hmm. the truth. And unfortunately... It doesn't come across here. It, does, yeah. it doesn't come across in, in this particular scene. But also, in Lost, it ends up really, really terribly. And it, this actually works out for Bellamy because Murphy doesn't get murdered. They have to talk about it later. Yeah. I, I do think... I guess we're just skipping around, but... Sure. And and actually, I would love to bring up um, that final thoughts from listeners now that we are talking about it. Sure. Uh, you had one last thing to say, though? Well, just that Echo then says to Amori, leave him. Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah. I, I get it because, like, he's kind of complicit in what happened to Clark. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Bellamy did just say we're going to bring him whether he comes kicking and screaming or not. If it was anybody that wasn't in Sky Crew or in... 
space crew, crew, I would get it. But the fact that it is people in space crew is confusing to me. Um, so at space crew defense um, sent us some tweets. What a perfect name for this entire like thought process too. <laughs> Literally. Uh, so many people are giving up on Bellamy after tonight's episode for basically leaving Murphy to die and saying they don't care about him. Plus Echo trying to get Amori to leave him behind. I've strangely been optimistic about this whole thing even now. Bellamy literally said in the same episode that they would drag Murphy out of there when they leave using force if they have to. That really should say something right there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like this will all tie back to the Red Sun or the Anomaly somehow. With the slogan being face your demons and most of the characters acting like season one versions of themselves and already facing said demons through the Red Sun... I just feel like there's so much more to this that's affecting how people like Belle are acting. As someone who absolutely adores Murphy, I haven't given up on them, especially now. It's almost like Jason literally was showing us in those first five episodes of this season just how much they mean to each other on purpose. What do you think at the Aficionados? I completely agree. Yeah. I think all of that is just bang on the money. Yeah. 100%. I definitely, I don't, I don't think you need to, to give up on Bellamy. No. I think, oh, or Murphy even. Like, when Murphy yeah. was like, Amori, marry me or whatever is going on here. I was like... But the Murphy, but you know. But at the same time, it was so sweet. Yeah, of yeah. course. So okay, so yeah. go with me on this. Okay, I think like Raven, the things that we do and say when we're angry are incredibly damaging, but aren't representative of the whole of how we feel. Yeah. So when Bellamy says you're a traitor, if he meant it, which mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I like I organically, my first thought was, oh, he's just saying that to trick Josie. Yeah. But even with. Echo, I think it was, I'm really friggin' mad at you right now, and I'm gonna say some damaging stuff that I'm, I can't take back, but that doesn't mean that I feel that way for, I'll feel that way forever. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think working within the logic of this show, like, for me, much of what this show does with interpersonal relationships is incredibly unhealthy. Mm-hmm. But because we're working within the confines of the show and the rules that the show has given us, I think that not only will this be able to like be forgiven, but they'll probably be able to justify it by saying like, I left you to die because you did something morally reprehensible and they'll probably be able to get past it. Murphy's like, true. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I think this won't have overly like big, you know, repercussions for Murphy. And yeah, I think that Space Crew Defense is totally right in the fact that like literally the first few episodes of the seat of the season like excuse me Bellamy and Murphy were literally like giggling about plants about exactly. flowers together like f- three seconds ago and I mean imagine how disappointed Bellamy must be yeah where he's like you know he even says he grieves in front of Murphy mm-hmm. you know he cries he says you know Clark cared about you like all of this stuff and then Murphy turned around and like betrayed him you know in Bellamy's mind anyway even though Murphy of course wound up being correct in a lot of ways in terms of what plan would have the least amount of bloodshed and I think for Bellamy that's a really hard pill to swallow because at the same time he's also looking at an entire lifetime without the person that he's led side by side with the whole time Mm -hmm. so a lot of what Bellamy's doing right now is very reactionary and you know there might be some repair work that needs to be done but I think they'll be fine yeah to be honest right I mean speaking of the memory proposal yes Murphy wakes Amori up. Amori knows Murphy cut a deal and she wants to know what's in it for him. He gets down on one knee and proposes that beca- that they become immortal together. Josephine interrupts and immediately insults Amori's hand, which Murphy isn't happy about. Josie calls for Riker and reveals that Clark is still inside her head. So of all the things that I could be like happy about in this episode, the Memori proposal could have been up there, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. 
because it was like this was a happy moment, but then Josie ruined it. And then it was like, they had a chat about it later, but then they felt bad and sad about it. And then Amori went against Murphy. And then later she's like, yes, I will. But then he had just been stabbed. So like, they still couldn't even really be happy about it. So it was like, and also like, we were convinced that Amori was going to say no. And like, eventually she got there. But like, it just seemed to me that like, this is Amori from, when did we get her? Season two to season four. And then after Space Crew, I really don't feel like that's Imori anymore because the only person she had before then was her brother. Everyone else had cast her out. Nobody else loved her. She talked to Clark about this in season four. She said, I was thrown away like people's garbage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is the Imori we saw who was like fully prepared to just like throw not Bayless to the heckin' dogs. And it's just like, even though this is an innocent person, I don't care. But after Space Crew and finding a family, it's just, like, I I guess the Amori that I saw, and, like, maybe I put too much thought into Amori, but it felt like everybody took a shift in those six years, especially Space Crew. Mm -hmm. So I really thought that Amori would not be into it. And I think that eventually, like, at first she, she, her brain, like, goes back to that, that time before then and was like, yes, we finally found a way to do it. Yeah, that was what I was just gonna say Mm -hmm. is, you know, what was the thing that you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, which is we have judgment built so deeply into our bones that the first thought you have shouldn't be the first thought you voice. It should be your second thought. Mm. And I think that's sort of the same principle for Amori is the first thought she had was, oh, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to be immortal. This is the ultimate survivor's move. And then that moral compass kicks in. As soon as she sees the rest of Space Crew. Exactly. Even not even just Bellamy. She sees Echo and... That's her friend. I've said it multiple times, but, like, I put so much thought into, like, Space Crew and, like, the relationships that they Mm -hmm. build. Like, you can literally take, like, one person in Space Crew and then, like, connect it to another person in Space Crew. Like, I'm so excited to talk about Bellamy and Amori. Yeah. In, like, the scene that comes up where she talks to, to Bellamy. Um, just because of my own headcanons that I've made up. Um, but I feel like there's there's a basis for you to have those headcanons. Exactly. Based on especially what you get in this episode. Like, literally, you can just take, like, a, pick a random person in space group. Harper. Great. And let's say Echo. Whoa, those are random people who you don't really think talked. But they were up in space together for six years. Yes. Echo, at the beginning of season six, was like, I think she's the one who, one of the pers- people who, like, brought up Monty. And I can't remember if she... I don't think she brought up Harper because I was upset about that. But, like... She was like, yeah, they're dead, and I don't know how to feel about it. Right. Like, when she was talking to Bellamy, when Mm -hmm. he was, like, mean to her that one time, and she was like... He was like, two of our friends died, like, yesterday. Yeah. And you're not even upset about it. And she's like, I freaking am upset about it. You don't think about Harper and and Echo at all, but, like... They knew each other. They were friends. Six years. They were family. Yep. So, I just... I think about that a lot. So, I genuinely thought that Amori was going to say no. Well, once she said yes, I was like, that makes sense. Especially when she said that's the ultimate survivor's name. Yeah. That was the line that I needed to sell her saying yes. Mm-hmm. Or or the implication that she was going to say yes, I yeah. guess. Because she doesn't actually say <clears throat> yes till the end. Right. Um, Because I was like, oh, right, of course. At her core, Amori is a survivor. Mm-hmm. Right? And then she has to go and look at the consequences of her yeah. actions. And she's like oh, crap, I have to think about more than just John and I. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to be a good person because I am a good person. But, like, also selfishly, I wanted her to say no just because, like, that would happen to Murphy. Like, <laughs> that, like Murphy just, like, can't catch a freaking break. And he, like, finally does. And he's like, great, I'll live forever. I don't have to go to this hell that I saw. And his girl, he's like, I got two. And she's like, I don't want it. <laughs> he's like, 
his life is like got hung got stabbed yeah got shot got stabbed kind of was betrayed by jaha and essentially like pushed off a boat i mean he wasn't but that's how i feel it happened got locked in a bunker and then had his girlfriend reject his proposal i mean some more things happen in between that but basically yeah but it's just like oh john murphy your life is a like a joke and i love you so much you little king trash mouth i actually had some more thoughts about this Y'all were broken up, like, a week ago, though. Like, to them, they were, like... Here, I feel like I have more. One sec. No, because they kind of... They really got it back together at the end of season five. Yeah, but that was, like, maybe a week ago ago for them. You right. Um, what else did I write? Amori went against Murphy, and he still wants to marry her, question mark. Like, it's not healthy anymore, is what I wrote. Like, they were apart for, like, who knows how long up in space. Like... A year, maybe a couple months, and it was like apart, apart. Like she, like just kept talking about how garbage he was, yeah. like, like to his face, hate him, don't want him to be anywhere. And then they go down, and she, they're still like apart. They kind of like have a weird booty call in which they like catch McCreary at some point, I think. And then she's like, "By the way, I still don't like you." And then afterwards, he's like, "I'm almost dead," and she's like, "Actually, I do love you," and says the word "love." And then after that, like literally, maybe a week later, in their minds, he's like, "Will you marry me?" And she's like, "Yup." See, to me, that makes perfect sense for them. Mm. They're so chaotic. I know. They're such a chaotic couple. I guess, okay, you know what? That's fair. But for, like, I guess, like, just, like, like, relationship (laughs) advice-wise. Oh, dear. Like, if I was there, I'd be like, guys, take some more time. (laughs) Oh, my God. And figure out if you guys are, like, for sure, because it's a little rocky right now. Whereas I'm like, this makes sense for them. Like, I get it. This is so them. So I guess we just have like two different understandings of like how any of this went down. Mm. But that's fine. Team Murphy. Whereas I think like it was the perfect proposal for them. They're both such chaotic idiots. Okay, next scene. Oh, I have one more question. Do grounders have marriage? Does she know what that is? Apparently. I had that same question as well. Because mm. I, I was like, wow, proposing really survived? Can Amori even wear a ring? I think it's her left hand that's all messed up. It's not not like he has a ring. I'm just wondering. Uh, I feel like she would wear it on the other hand. Or he would have a custom one made. I also really loved um, that moment where he was like, Yo, Josie, you owe her an apology. Yeah. Yes, And I loved the moment in which she fully just went, "Uh, Okay. And then just kept calling for Riker. She's such a brat. (laughs) Um, She mentions that Riker is not living in the palace. How does Riker's mom feel about him not living in the palace? Yeah, is she just, like, cool with this? Like, also, was Miranda not living in the palace? Or was that her booze house? No, I think that... Oh, my God. No, it can't be. I think that she was living in the... That's just a part of the palace. I thought that was her booty calls house. Also, Miranda has a husband who's on ice right now. In my... In my... In my... On my map. She has a husband. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. And I actually have thoughts on that later that I actually am willing to speak upon now. Okay. So, Miranda, you're supposed to have a husband, first of all. But one of the things that was like... Oh, wait. Yeah, Miranda's supposed to have a husband... This doesn't make sense for Priya. I mean, okay, so let me just explain where my brain went, okay? Real quick. I'm ready. So my brain went, like, when, like, Russell was like, don't tell Priya. And then later Priya's like, you freaking jumped the line. We thought that Miranda was the one who was supposed to be most angry because the next person in line was her daughter, Jasmine. Yeah. And so, for some reason, my brain was like, Priya would be so, so, so upset because her husband is on ice and he's after Jasmine. Like, he's supposed to be next. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that, like, on my map, it's Miranda's husband, 
not Priya's. So I still am not sure exactly why Priya's so angry. I think just the principle of the thing. Right. Anyway, Miranda, I'm pretty sure she's supposed to have a husband. I'm still a little bit confused just because at the beginning of the season, they said that they sent families specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems like we have um, the Lee family, the Lightborn family, Miranda's family, Priya's family, and then Gabriel. And it like, we, we specifically said families. Yeah. Why is Gabriel there? Hello, Gabriel? I think Whose family are you in? the kind of scientist he was. I guess so. But, like, they specifically didn't say they sent families and then also Gabriel. But I guess they were just forgetting about him. I guess. Either way, Josie was supposed to be third in line. Yeah. So it's supposed to be, like, Jasmine, Miranda's husband, slash Priya's husband? I but guess. I don't think so, because he was he was standing next to Miranda. Yeah. In the picture. So, Miranda's husband, and then Josie. Yeah. I guess, like, the lineup is so, is, like, deeply important. Like, it's just, like, an ingrained part that's, like, you have to respect sacred. the line. Yeah. And so, it's, yeah. like, if, if, if Russell doesn't respect the line, and they really see Russell as, like, their sort of guide with all of this then what's to keep any of them res- from respecting the line? Right, Riker calls him Zeus. Yeah. Which, like, you little... I mean, Riker clearly <laughs> resents Russell a lot. Yeah. Going back to the scene that we're on, though, I'm just like, I want... <sighs> I wish that Josie thinking that Murphy was cute wasn't such a throwaway line. What? Why? Because you wanted her to actually think he was cute? I love a love triangle. <laughs> oh my god. And, yeah, anyway... I was like, is Josie jealous of Mori? question mark? Puts her head on Murphy's shoulder. Mm. Like, she's around mm. here and she's like, Smurf. Yo, that was such a, like, funny moment, too. It was a cute moment. Yeah. But then she says, I approve, and Mori. So I'm like, mm, let's quit on here. I mean, like, I Looks also- like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like nothing. Oops. Yeah. Riker and Amori work on the EMP. Murphy is afraid that Clark knows what he's doing. Josie lies and says that she totally can see everything Murphy's doing, but Riker tells him the truth. No, she has no clue. Josie wants to reveal why Riker is helping, which I would also like to know, but then we find out later, so that's just some witty commentary for you. Anyway, they need something like one of the wristbands to channel the pulse to Clark's brain. Amori goes to get one of the shot callers. Why is Josie making Murphy feel bad if she needs his help? She's because so Josie bad. Loves torturing people. She's the worst at like making people want to help her. She she literally she is here for a long time and a good time. Yeah. You know what I mean? How does Riker know about the two mind thing? Probably because he probably suffered at some point being inside. Oh yeah. yeah. No. It's probably just prime common knowledge, I wanna I guess. say. Sure. Okay, continue. All right, so Amori lies to Bellamy about why she needs the shot collar, but one look from Echo makes her change her mind. She loves her family too much to lie. She tells Bellamy what she, Murphy, Riker, and Josie are really up to. Whatever plan Bellamy has, they need to do immediately. Also, Maddie is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amori was legit gonna do it. Yep. But then she saw Echo. Can I talk to you about my headcanon for Bellamy and Amori? For sure. So in the fan fiction that I wrote, mm-hmm. that was basically like all about the six years. Yes, of course. Um, I'm not done. I only did the first year so yes. far. But in that one, um, Bellamy was... I don't think this is a, a long stretch, like, because my, the fanfiction that I wrote is canon compliant, so in my head, this is what happened. Okay. I don't think this is a far stretch. Bellamy spent so much time in mourning of his sister, because he didn't know Octavia was Blood Reina at that point. Like, yeah. he, he was genuinely, like, sad about his sister. Imori has lost a brother. So in my fanfiction, I'm just gonna keep saying in my fanfiction. I forgot about this. Bellamy and... And Maury kind of bond in the fact that they've both lost siblings. And, of course, Bellamy didn't know that about Amori, so they, like, talk about it and everything. And they kind of make a decision that, for the time being at least, Amori can be 
Bellamy's like substitute sister and yeah. Bellamy can be like Amori's substitute brother. And so they have this really big They're pseudo siblings. Yeah. So I love seeing Amori and Bellamy talk because of this thing I made up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's kinda cute actually. Like yeah. That. I also really like that there's such an innocence to the way she looked at Echo and she was like, I can't do this to her. Mm-hmm. I think because they are very much like, you know, they're two of the last grounders. Literally. And and they were the two grounders that like went up to space. Like no yeah. one in their entire like I don't want to say species because it seems like everybody is like a human and everything, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like that. Like ev- like no one of all of the grounders has ever gone to space. I mean, at, at, until season five in which everybody went up to space, yeah. or until the end of season five when everybody went up to space. But like, no one is you, in their culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like um, you can't defeat a mountain troll without becoming friends afterwards. Yeah. And so you can't go through this giant thing. Like, everyone else has been up to space in Space Crew. Yeah, like, it's just like, oh, okay, back to the same thing. And they're like, hey, we're in space now? What? Yeah, like, you can't go through that together without having a really important bond. So yeah. I love Imori and Echo's relationship. And the soft music that played over it, too. I was like, yeah. okay, this is adorable. <laughs> I'm gonna cry now. Yeah. So that was, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. I love the little bond that they have. I love that Amori was like, okay, no, I'm gonna go be a good guy now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be the good guys. So Maddie's gone. Mm-hmm. Miranda returns to her room to find her lover dead. Maddie kills her too because she is a small murder child. I I don't care about the Maddie story. I don't care what's going on with this. I don't want to watch it. I'm tired of it. I love how Maddie paid attention to where Miranda's boyfriend lived. Yeah, I'm like... Just... She's like, I've been... What, I, I think, think she just followed Miranda. How did she say it? She was like, I have been studying the one they call Miranda or something ridiculous yeah, it was like, like something that. like, oh, okay. Yeah. But interesting, I feel like it takes a real badass writer to kill your own namesake. <laughs> yeah, I was saying I was saying that like Mer- we were like when we first got Miranda, we were like, oh yeah, it's for Miranda Quack, and then Miranda Quack was like, here's my episode. I'm gonna kill Miranda, and I was like, oh my god, so fun and cute, good and fresh. That was crazy. I just this plotline is not working for me. It doesn't fit. There's already enough going on. We already have like time travel and magic sap and body swapping and. All of this other stuff going on, like a potential land war, which I am not interested in at all, because let me tell you, we did five seasons of land wars. I've had it. But this Shade Hedda thing? I'm like, why are you doing this? What is the point of this plot? I feel like Shade Hedda was like, I need Maddie to be evil. And they were like, Clark died. And Shade Hedda was like, nice. There's my motive. You think? Yeah, he was like, he was like, I need Maddie to be on my side. Something bad better happen. And then they were like, Clark died. And he was like, great. But like, where are the other commanders? Yeah. Maddie's supposed to have a bunch of commanders counseling her. It's only Shade Hedda. We have not been given, like, truly, I mean, the the Jordan Delilah thing irritates me. This actively makes me feel angry because this plot line doesn't fit and it's taking up time that is desperately needed elsewhere. Well, Lexa became the commander when she was young as well, right? Yeah. So, like, why is Maddie so much more weak than all the other commanders that Shade Hedda can come through? Exactly. Like, I don't like that. Like, is there something... The thing that I want to know is, is there something about this planet that is amplifying Shade Hedda's influence? And if yeah. so, what why have it? we not given that been given that answer yet? Yeah. And just... It feels like they kept this plot line and, like... Okay, here's the thing. I'm interrupting myself a lot, but I'm having a lot of thoughts at the same time. I love the flame. I know a lot of people hate that storyline. I will once again reiterate, I'm not interested in that opinion because I love the flame storyline. I hate the way it's being used right now. Yeah. 
I'm not interested in like what this has to do with whatever is going on unless it ties into the rest of what's going on in the show. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many juggled plot lines right now. And I mean, even the Kane thing, I can understand why people are like, this is a waste of time. Like, I get that. Yeah. You know, because there's way more interesting stuff going on. And we're not, we're, we're being like fed this Maddie stuff. And I'm like, when is this going to be important? Mm-hmm. You know, when is this going to become relevant? Because Maddie has a bigger role on this show than Raven does. Fully. Why? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Josie tells Murphy that he's going to be a god. They're ready with the EMP. Josie guaranteed her own safety by leaving a letter with Jade that exposes Riker. He let Gabriel go and thus is partially responsible for the children of Gabriel being founded. As for Murphy, Jade has orders to kill he and Amori, except, oops, Amori's gone and she took the EMP. Mm-hmm. Josie grabs a knife. Freaking, he's like, oh, surgery and a machine shot. She's like, yeah, it's very Clark and everything. Josie, you suck at getting people to want to help you. Yeah. Stop reminding everybody. Like, now she's like, hey, Murphy, by the way, you thought that Clark had already died, so you took advantage of that, but the fact that she's not already dead, I'm just gonna keep bringing it up to make you feel bad. She sucks. Dude, like, like she's supposed to be strategic. She does it later, too. I know, but yeah. she's, like, she's supposed to be strategic about this sort of thing, yeah. and she just throws it out the window as long as she can just, like, mess everybody up just to care. be mean. She doesn't care. But this is this is the thing about her, though. Is what, does she do? what does she do later? She says, um, Clark would love this. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, shut up. It's I, I, As like, if you know Clark. I love it, though, because it's, like, the arrogance of Josie. Yeah. This is, like, just sheer sociopathic arrogance where she's like, I'm going to get away with it because I think I'm going to get away with it. Yeah. Like, she's the epitome of I see it, I like it, I got it, I want it sort mm-hmm. of thing, right? Like, yeah. like, and it makes no sense. Like, her superiority complex is so unfounded. Mm-hmm. But somehow she still keeps getting away with stuff. Yeah. That's amazing to me. 200 years of baking it till she made it. Yeah. She also tells Murphy that people will write songs about him. I would love to hear the songs that people have written about her. Where is the Murphy the musical? I want to see... Kate, I honestly think that's like a, like a, an actual, like, thing for Murphy, though. Like... He would want that? Yeah. Like, he's like, I don't care if they, I like, I don't know if he would care as much that they pray to him. I think, I mean, that's cool and everything, but like, writing songs, like, we know Murphy loves music. Okay, so there's this scene in Thor Ragnarok where Thor arrives back on Asgard and he sees this play being put on and it's different, like, Asgardians portraying Loki, Odin, and Thor. And I mean, like, one of them is, like, literally, like, um, one of them's Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. He's playing Odin. And then the other one is... What's that actor's name? He's really, really, really famous. He, he was in Goodwill Hunting. Oh, can't help you. Matt Damon. One of them's Matt Damon. Oh. Like, freaking, I think Loki is Matt Damon. And Thor's like, what is going on? Like, because this scene is this dramatic, like, Loki's death and he's dying a hero and it's like all this stuff and it's just so amazing. Isn't Loki such a self-sacrificial hero? And Thor's like, that's not how that happened. What's going on here? And he walks up to Odin, who's watching this play, and he's like, like, why is my dad watching this play about, like, our traitor brother? Like, what's going on here? No, it's Loki in disguise who commissioned a play to be written about him where he's a hero. And that reminds me so much of John Murphy, where he's like, um, yeah, please, famous actors, please act out this scene for me. Tell me how amazing I am. Look at look at the majesty. I will lay here and be fed grapes. Yeah. That's John Murphy. Yeah, only go old if you want to. I think we kind of talked about yeah. that already. Um, Jade has a letter to Russell saying that Riker let Gabriel go. I thought Jade was dead, you idiot. <laughs> but I'm the idiot. Do you think Russell will, like, given the grand scheme of everything that's happening, do you think Russell will care that much? Like, Russell seems pretty chill. And 
I mean, he's not, but he seems like it. Yeah, like, comparatively, he seems pretty chill. And even though the cogs keep coming in and, like, hurting them, Gabriel's not actually doing anything. So, like, if I was Russell, I'd be like, yeah, it's kind of water under the bridge at this point. Because the main villain of that is Gabriel in Russell's mind. So I guess Riker sort of enabled Gabriel, but at the same time, that was, what, 70 years ago? Mm -hmm. Like, it would take nothing for Riker to be like, yeah, I definitely regret doing that. And Russell would be like, okay. My bad. Especially because Riker has information on Russell, which is, hey, you wiped out uh, an innocent girl. Right. So, I don't know. I feel like that wasn't good leverage. Yeah. And I already talked about, like, why Russell might have done- or, sorry, why Riker might have done that. So, yeah, we can move on from that, I think. Okay. You ready to go to the field? Um, that's when she talks about Joe Berries, right? Yes. And Maury runs with the EMP through the fields. Josie and Murphy catch up to her on a motorcycle. Murphy tries to convince Amori to go through with the plan, but she brought back up. Josie says that if they don't do this, Clark will really be dead and Josie's brain will still be backed up. They need a neurosurgeon to get her out and save her, which, oops, they actually totally have because Jackson. Since when is Jackson a neurosurgeon, though? You know what? When you become a doctor in a post-apocalyptic world, you're just a jack of all trades. Okay. Josie tries again. Where will they operate? Bellamy has an answer for that. One of the research outposts on the map. Josie throws up another roadblock. Radiation shield. Joke's on you, Josie. They have an EMP. Josie's out of options, so she puts a knife to Murphy's neck. The first thing I want to say about this scene is that I find it absolutely hilarious that Murphy had to ride behind Josie on the motorcycle. He doesn't know how to drive! No, I absolutely love that. He's a baby. Like, I'm torn between, oh my god, that's funny, and also I love the normality of being like, hey, this dude ride finds her because, like, she knows how to ride and he doesn't. Yeah. So, um, Joe Berries. So we know it's called Joe Juice. Which is made from Joe Berries. Which is made from Joe Berries, and we thought it was maybe alcoholic, so I think Joe, I think Joe Juice is just wine. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it basically is just wine. You think we care about that traitor? You do. Mm -hmm. You're a liar. So for those of us who are paying attention to the maps... This revelation makes perfect sense. I can see how some people, I guess if you're watching, you'd be like, what outposts? But we've been paying attention to the maps. So we actually did have a question on what those little outposts were. Now we have an answer. They're research outposts. Thank you so much, Bellamy Blake. I found another reason why I had a bit of a hard time with this episode, and I do think this is maybe a theme of this season, is just that the plans that they're giving us are so complicated and convoluted that I'm having a hard time following. And then they don't matter. Yeah, and then, yeah. They, and then nothing happens, so it's like, why? So I didn't even have to pay attention. That's actually my constant issue with this whole show. I think especially in seasons four and five, that became such a big thing where there's overly complicated plans and there's lots of things that have to be done. And in the end, you're just running up against a roadblock because guess what? It didn't matter. This is, to me, this whole thing felt very season four where it was just like constantly running at a brick wall. And like, that's what this was. But it did also make sense to me because Josie was like, hey, by the way, like you can't get her out of my brain. So you're screwed. And they're like, well, actually, we have a neurosurgeon who can. So sucks to be you. I do like, though, that Josie is constantly thinking. She's like, well, you can't do this. Oh, well, then you can't do this. Well, then you can't do this. Oh, screw it. I'm just going to shove a knife to his throat. So was this answered or not then? Jackson can't get to them because he's now being taken hostage by yes. the primes. Yes. So when Bellamy got Josie across the line, did he still think that Jackson was supposed no. to meet in there? No, like no, no, I'm no. confused. Okay, right? See, this was a weakness. Um, okay, so basically 
Here was the original plan. Yes. Right? Okay. They were going to kidnap Josephine. Yes. They were going to take her up to space. Jackson, Abby, and Raven were oh. going to use the EMP on her. Okay. That didn't work. So Josie said, okay, well, you're screwed. How are they supposed to get her up to space? Th- this was the original plan. And then oh. because they had to push the plan timeline up because Amori was like, hey, by the way, they're doing this today. So Bellamy, gotcha. Bellamy came up with a new one. Jackson's going to meet them out they're going to go to one of the research outposts. They're going to remove the mind drive from Clark and get Clark back. So now everything's been screwed up because Josie... <sighs> See, I'm even sitting here like... Mm. No, okay, yeah. Jackson couldn't get out to them and Murphy spilled the beans. Because mm-hmm. Murphy was like, hey, Jackson's not here, but Gabriel knows how to do this. Right. So Bellamy made a last like split second decision with Echo, which is let's grab Josephine and go find Gabriel. Mm-hmm. So that's the plan now is Clark and Bellamy slash Josephine and Bellamy are going to find Gabriel because Gabriel knows how to take the drive out. Echo, I don't know where Echo went. And Amori and Murphy are now prisoners. Oh yeah, where are where is Echo? Did she get caught? Nope. Okay. I don't think so. Right. I didn't see her in that scene. Okay. So again, needlessly, like the plans, you didn't get a chance to absorb the plan before the plan changed, then the plan changed again. And so you're like, none of this meant anything anyway, because that plan didn't work. Gotcha. So there you go. Okay. Essentially, essentially, Bellamy has to find Gabriel so that they can get Clark back. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Miller and Jackson search for Maddie. They also need to find Jordan, who has gone missing. Miller wants Jackson to head out to the field, but Jackson won't leave without him. A guard finds Miranda dead and everyone freaks out that the children of Gabriel are there. They quarantine everyone in the Great Hall, just like Maddie planned. Russell knows that it wasn't the children of Gabriel, though. He wants to know where Josephine is. So they say, like, get Priya and Riker to the Great Hall. Yep, just like Maddie assumed. No one knows that Josie is here, so that's why she's not, they don't say her. Yep. And Simone is in space. So the only three primes that we have right now that now that Miranda's dead is Priya, Riker, and, um, and Russell. Yeah. And they're all in the same place, which is just very unwise, you know, strategically. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Maxon. The group need Jackson to make this work. Murphy spills the beans and says that Riker helped Gabriel escape, so go find Gabriel and have him take Josie out. Josie says Gabriel would be dead, but Echo notices that she looks concerned. Mm -hmm. Josie slices Murphy's leg. Amori tells Echo how to set off the EMP. Bellamy drags Josie across the fence. They're going to find Gabriel. Echo tells Amori to leave Murphy, but she won't. She accepts his proposal, even if they don't make it past the end of the day. So, okay. Josie believes that Gabriel's dead or not. So, I think Josie thinks Gabriel's dead, but... She's never she's never seen a body. No death. No yeah, body, no death. And they're immortal. Who knows what could have happened? Right. True. Yeah. Because she knows that, I'm guessing, she knows that, like, some people have gotten to the cogs that aren't mm-hmm. nulls. Like, so it could have happened, and... But she doesn't know about the time stuff. Exactly. So. It it says on the map that Russell gave them that it says a uh, temporal anomaly zone. So I think they know something about it, but I don't mm-hmm. think they've gone anywhere near it. Gotcha. So she says yes to his proposal, but, uh, but about the mor- immortality thing might not be on the table anymore. Yeah. So she's like, even if we weren't immortal, I would still want to be with you okay. forever, even if forever is a day. Gotcha. Which... Is romantic AF. I'm sorry. That's so sweet. And also, um, so Murphy's bleeding out, but I'm guessing he'll miraculously be saved. Mm-hmm. It's just how he is. Do you want to hear something, um, crazy? Sure. I'm not a memorial shipper. That's not crazy. I already knew that. I've never been a memorial shipper, but I ship Murphy and Amori with happiness. That's nice. So I'll take it. Yeah. I am a memorial shipper and I really enjoy their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you are not and I respect you. Thank you. 
See, it really is that easy. I, I love them both so much. If they're happy together, then good enough. If they're happy together, yeah. then that's great. If they're not, that's also great. Yeah. In fact, what I am a shipper of is Murphy. So, um, yeah. thanks. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Maddie tries to kill Priya, but Jordan dives in her way and gets stabbed instead. You're an idiot, Jordan. Priya catches him as he falls. So, much like Murphy's wound, this will be magically healed. What I love about this is that, like, it took forever for us to understand what Shannon said at Unity Days, which was that Maddie and Jordan were not going to be friends. Yeah. Like, he was like, yeah, like, we thought we were going to be friends, but we're not. And we were like, oh, that's weird. And then, like, all the way up to this, I'm like, this still doesn't really seem like they're, like, super at odds. And then it's like, oh, Maddie stabbed Jordan. Yeah. Gotcha. Right, right, right. Yeah. We thought it was going to be Jordan who went to the dark side. Yeah. Didn't think about it being Maddie. Yeah. I don't I don't know what else to say about this, except that, like, I'm interested to see where it goes. Other than that, I like that Priya's in PJs. I know they're all in PJs. It's really cute. Even Maddie's in PJs. Yeah. And I'm like, when did you find time to put PJs on? Yeah. Assassins wear PJs? Mm-hmm. I guess everybody has to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about this. But I am willing to go with it because now the two storylines that I cared about the least are merging with the one that I actually am interested in. So we'll see what happens yeah. next. Mm-hmm. Russell blames himself for Miranda's death. He wants to try all of Earth Crew for what they did, which Riker thinks is a joke. He prompts Russell to reveal that he skipped the line and put Josephine and Clark. Jade comes in with Mamori and tells Russell that Bellamy and Josie are headed towards Gabriel. Mamori won't talk for now, but Russell is confident that he can get them to. More torture? He arms the guards with Earth Crew guns and sends them to find Bellamy and Clark. Mm-hmm. So he says five dead primes in five days. So that's all four Lees and Miranda. Yep. Ouch. Their numbers aren't doing well. No. No. So, I mean, as far as like the general public knows, there's only four alive out of 12. There is secretly five, yeah. but that's still less than half. Yeah, they're not doing well. Especially when before everybody showed up, it was, I mean, if we can count Priya just because, like, she was about to be one anyway, um, Russell, Simone, Priya, Riker, and all four Lees and Miranda, it was nine. Yeah. There were three people on ice, and now there's only five left. Yikes. And, okay, so Maddie wants to kill all the primes because Shade Hedda wants to kill all the primes. Mm, Yeah. Shade Hedda has to have some kind of history with this technology in the first place. Right. My question is, why didn't Maddie also destroy the drive? I need more answers about Shade Hedda for sure. Yeah. I need to know what Shade Hedda's motivations are. Like, is it literally, I just like to cause chaos? Because if so, okay. You kind of suck, dude. (laughs) I feel like everything else about this scene, like, regarding the primes, we've already spoken about. Yeah. Now it's time for segments. My first segment is the post-apocalyptic Sasquatch, which is our favorite line award. Mine goes to Dioza for, you okay there, Grandpa? I love her. He's just so old. And mine also goes to Dioza for, look at us finishing each other's thoughts. Who'd have thought we'd turn into an old married couple? I love it. Mm-hmm. And my segment is, I mean, it was the Clark Griffin shower watch, and then it was the Octavia Blake shower watch, and now it's which MILF was the most badass. But two things happened in the same episode. Mm. So I'm going to do two segments because I'm selfish. The first one, Octavia Blake shower watch. I guess if you can take a bath in time, she did. And which milk was the most badass. You know, I, I love Abby Griffin with my whole heart, but it, it has to go to Dioza. Always. Sorry. It does. Can you appreciate Marcus Kane's beard? I can appreciate Marcus Kane's beard. It's on a corpse now. Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> love that for me. Did Gavin have a beard? A little bit? He kind of did. Yeah. Does that count? I'm just, I'm really happy for Abby because like, he's so fit. Yeah. He's so good looking, but I'm like, you're too good looking. Like, it's like you're photoshopped. Mm -hmm. But yeah. 
Anyway, Marcus gained beard appreciation. It's on a dead guy! Okay. But maybe they'll bring him back! Nice! Um, and now it's time for my other segment, which is the Most Valuable Protagonist Award. So this week's MVP is Imori. Hell yeah! Yay! I love that for her! Yay! How many episodes since the last murder? Oh boy. Goodbye, Gavin! <laughs> Goodbye, Miranda! Goodbye, Miranda's boyfriend! Oof. Uh, is anybody else? I mean... We don't know what's going on with Dioza, but I assume she's still alive? Yeah, she wasn't murdered, though. (coughs) (coughs) I didn't need to surprise you with that information. (coughs) I choked you. (coughs) It's true, she wasn't murdered. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like, Kane's dead. Technically, he's also a murder. Vincent's murder finally paid off. He killed Marcus Kane. Sure. I'm in pain. Because of the cough? No, because Marcus Kane's dead. Seeing his corpse laying there, dude, that freaked me up. I cried. You didn't even notice, but I did. Can I make you laugh? Yeah. So, um, when I write down in our doc how many episodes since the last murder, I also write down which episode the last murder happened in, just mm-hmm. in case I lose, um, just in case I lose track of yeah. where I am. And the old man and the anomaly, it abbreviates into tomata. <laughs> <laughs> That is pretty... Alright, fine. Alright. <laughs> and okay. I wrote it down and I was like, nice, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> nice! Nice. Now it's time for a trailer reaction! So we're on hiatus. And I think... I love being on hiatus. Yeah, I mean, I hate being on hiatus because then we don't get more of the hundred, but I love being on hiatus because then it gives us more time to put out the paw. Cool, my headphones just died, so they have to tell me what the sound is. But um, at the same time, I I hate being on hiatus because I need to be put out of my misery. If Marcus, Kane, and Cabby is, like, over, I need to know it so that I can let go or mm-hmm. process my emotions because right now I'm fully in the denial stage. Right. But I think it's, like, there's a hiatus this week and then there's one episode and then there's another one and then there's another hiatus or something. Like, there's a lot of hiatuses in a small amount of time yeah. at this point. Ready? Yep. Okay, three, two, one, play. Things are about to get weird. Who was that? Oh, this is gonna be a lot. So what is this canister? Who is this? Oh. There's- Is that- that's not gay- that's not Xavier? It might be, but there's gas in it? Yeah. I wonder what it is. And that looks like it's Octavia's hair. He says things are gonna get weird. I wonder if she's doing some kind of, like, drug. Right. Right, because she probably doesn't remember it, and so he's gonna, like, maybe jog her memory or something. I think you were right, and she is taking a walk down memory lane, because, I mean, these red butterflies. Yeah. But it's all gonna be slightly different from what, like, she experienced. Right. Oh. Let me figure out what Bellamy's saying. He says, I won't let you die. Oh, okay. And, of course, then she's literally fighting herself. Is she fighting like an old ver- It looks like Blood Reina is fighting season one Octavia, question mark? That's Clark saying that to- Or Bellamy saying that to Clark. Yes. This looks like Clark, by the way. The way that Clark is looking at Bellamy, it looks like he's talking to Clark. Right. And not Josephine. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. So maybe Clark, like, found her way out or Yeah, something? it looks like Clark might be conscious or something. Interesting. But this does definitely, like, in the pit, look like it's Blood Reina with a different version of Octavia. Like, yeah. that's season one Octavia. It looks like season one Octavia. I need to go back and look at Clark. Look at Clark's face. That's yeah. how Clark looks. That's not Josephine's face. There's no smirk. Mm, interesting. Makes you wonder. So the next episode is called What You Take With You, which I googled and it's a Star Wars quote, maybe? Oh yeah, Dioza had a Star Wars quote when she was hauling Octavia out of the tent. She was like, I got a bad feeling about this. And I was like, ah! And then What You Take With You is a Star Wars quote. 
from which one? I couldn't figure out which one it was from. But um, Yoda and Luke Skywalker say, That place is strong with the dark side of the Force, a domain of evil it is, and you must go. Oh my god. He says, What's in there? Only what you take with you. Oh my god. This episode- Okay, so literally what happens- Tell me if this sounds familiar. Okay. Is Luke goes in a cave Mm -hmm. and fights a manifestation of Darth Vader, who is, of course, his father. Uh Uh-huh. Gee, while Clark and Bellamy are in a cave- Mm -hmm. And Octavia is fighting a manifestation of her inner demon. Yeah. And, like, I remember, like, Luke was like, um, what does this mean? And Yoda was like, whatever you want it to mean. Yeah. So I think that's probably, like, potentially where it came from. Oh, my God. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's just perpetually open. We'd love to hear um, anything that you like about the podcast and things that you don't like about the podcast so we know what to change. But we would really love those uh, reviews on iTunes because that's how people know that we are a good podcast to listen to. If someone's, like, searching for the 100 podcast, you can look at those reviews and be like, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I'm going to listen to this one. So if there's something you do particularly like about us, we'd love for you to leave us a review. That'd be awesome. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We've covered three whole seasons of that masterpiece of a show. And we also do Chilling Adventures with Sabrina on that feed. Yeah, we're thinking, like, season two of Chilling Adventures is Brina, like, August, September. If you're a fan of Lost, we'd like to talk about that show, too. We are in the middle of season two right now. We have guests over there, and, the, like, if you like these long pods, like, that's where you find some more of them. Yeah, Because those readers. are long, yeah. <laughs> and we have lots of fun over there. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show, too. We just finished season one. Our season one podcast is complete now, and now it is time for season three to air. When this comes out... There's two days until season three. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. I am so excited. Wait, happy Canada Day. It'll be a day after Canada Day that this comes out. I hope you had a good time. Yeah. It's Canada's birthday. Mm -hmm. Listen, I know that it's America's birthday at some point, but it's Canada's birthday. Yeah. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. I do make gifts of all of our favorite line awards on Tumblr, and I've also been posting on our Instagram story recently, so... Um, support me. <laughs> Thanks. Thank ya. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because hosting fees are expensive. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Also, we're moving. Please help us. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Um, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Like I said before, next episode is episode 609, What You Take With You. We're- Goodbye. (laughs) Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Love you. I do. Bye.